0: This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media.
1: This week, we go deep into the Syrian airstrike, ordered by our president, Donald J. Trump. We also talk about some breaking news that happened, basically, as we got to the studio. The Moab bomb dropped in Afghanistan today. Plus, we end the program with a great email from a Samsonite and a clip Maria Bartiromo interviewing Trump that makes me want to jump off a very tall building. Stick around. I think you're going to enjoy it.
2: Very serious.
1: This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. I am on fire at the top of the program today. I ate three delicious tacos from a tasty burrito cart on 85th and Broadway. Then I cut my lip on a Yoritos bottle and it hurt, but I'm still here, joined as always by
3: Joseph Anthony Noe the third. I, I can fear the excitement coming off your lips, brah.
1: Okay. Also joined by Matt D. Weiss.
4: I think you have to use all that anger about the bottle and channel to make the best podcast ever, Chris.
1: I feel like that is the trajectory that we are on today. Welcome aboard, ladies and germs. We have a terrific program lined up for you. We're talking Syrian airstrike, which we got into last week in the abstract. We recorded, went home. A few hours later, Trump dropped 59 Tomahawk missiles on a Syrian airbase. We're going to talk about the ramifications of that in detail. We're going to go back in time. We're going to stick the current time, we're going to get into the whole nine yards of it. Then, we're getting into Neil Gorsuch being confirmed as a Supreme Court justice, the 113th. <laughs> Facial recognition, which we've been trying to get to for three weeks. We are going to get to it this week. We also have a Tommy, oh sweet Tommy Laren update. We're also talking about Islam. That's just a little tease. We're going to get into it. Uh, and, of course, a Trump administration odds and ends. Which is going to be a good one this week because we have a couple of really like fun clips that we'll close the show with. Plus, we got an email from an anonymous listener, which we will discuss at the end of the show. At the top of the show, this is stuff that just broke today, basically on my way here. I was doing some research about it. I was reading about it. Uh, the United States, Donald Trump, his administration, has dropped a Moab 21,600 pound. Largest bomb we have outside of our nuclear uh, capabilities dropped on ice and an ISIS tunnel complex in Afghanistan earlier today. It's the first time that this bomb has ever been used. Um, and like I said, it's the largest non nuclear bomb we have in the arsenal And I have a couple of quotes, but Joe, I feel like you're trying to say something right now.
3: I'm extremely angry that, uh, president Trump did not go to Congress for this type of usage of this weapon of destruction. This is a weapon of mass destruction. Yes. The biggest bomb we have non non nuclear. Right. And Congress had no say to say that we should maybe not use it. Right. Well, we're gonna get well, here's the th- we're gonna
1: get into all this in the Syrian missile strike. Obviously, this mm-hmm. is the stuff that just came up today, but they're going on the basis of the idea that they have a um it's the AUD, I believe it is. It's like the authoration authorization of military force from two thousand one. They're still operating under that. And they're like, that is this is ongoing wars, these are ongoing battlefields, so we don't need congressional uh approval. Now, of course, you know, th- that are it, there's two sides to that argument, but Obama used that logic, Bush used that lo- so Trump can use that logic, but of course it would be better if Congress was involved. However, I don't have any faith that our Congress would stop these actions. But we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Now, I want to read this quote. And again, this just happened. So mm-hmm. I don't have the full you know, breadth and depth of what we normally have on the the subject, but this is what I've gathered before the program started. Um General John Nicholson, who's the commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan, says, by the way, this is a supposedly in retaliation for a Green Beret that was killed on Tuesday in Afghanistan fighting ISIS. So that happens. Trump decides we need to retaliate. So he drops the literally the biggest bomb we have. Um, and this is the quote from General John Nicholson. And ISIS, as ISIS... Uh, losses have mounted. They are using IEDs, bunkers, and tunnels to thicken their defense. Which, that's what they've always used. That's always been the modus operandi of the the terrorist factions that we've been fighting. The you know?
4: smaller army, the smaller, less equipped army, is going to fight the guerrilla warfare. Yeah, of that's, course. Which is that's Vietnam. That's
1: yeah. That's Iraq. It's Afghanistan. It's what we've been seeing for you know decades. This is the right now. This is a crazy sentence. Mm-hmm. This is the right munition to reduce these obstacles and maintain this momentum of our offenses against ISIS. This guy's like, yeah, the largest bomb we've never used, uh, that's the right amount.
5: Yeah.
4: Well, Great. Well, I mean, how much of a difference is dropping one of these bombs versus 59 Tomahawk missiles? I mean, it's, there's more ordnance in the, there's a bigger payload in the 59 Tomahawk missiles.
1: Uh, no, there isn't. This is 21,000 pounds. And each The to- Tomahawk missiles are 1,000 each. Yeah, so 59,000. Oh, right, 59,000. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, okay. The concern is Trump got a taste for it using the Tomahawk missiles, which, okay, we're going to argue whether that should have happened or not. The problem is he did that a week ago. Now, this is another bombing, and mm-hmm. then another bombing, and then another bombing, and he's getting, he's getting incrementally closer to nuclear weaponry. He's fucking with North Korea. Which, you know, it kind of ties into this whole thing where he's provoking and the administration is provoking a response from supposedly irrational actors. North Korea, the Taliban, ISIS. At a certain point, yeah, a U.S. Green Beret gets killed in Afghanistan. That's sad. But we're there. If we're not there, he doesn't get killed. Whether we should be fighting ISIS in the foothills of fucking Afghanistan anymore... I don't know, but I think the argument can be made that we don't need to be there anymore. ISIS is clearly on the run. They're being degraded in Mosul. We're going to attack them in Raqqa, which God knows how that's going to go. But the the point being, yeah, a U.S. soldier gets killed, but the only reason the U.S. soldier gets killed is because he's where we probably shouldn't be to begin with. So, all right, put that into context. And now this guy's dropping a massive bomb, and they go, well, we did what we could to you know, reduce civilian casualties. They're still assessing the damage. Gotta assume some fucking civilians
3: got killed in this attack. Now, the thing that caught my eye: the explosion, the explosive yield of this one bomb. Yeah, eleven tons of TNT. Now, just to let people know what it sounds like. Obviously, there were some people that, or you know, have communications with people in the government, and one uh, one of the MPs was talking, and this is a quote from him where the, uh, the the site was in Nangor province. Yeah. I have grown up in the war, and I have heard different kinds of explosions through 30 years. Suicide attacks, earth cracks, different kinds of blasts. I've never heard anything like this.
1: Oh, yeah, man. This is a massive, massive yield. I mean, again, it's the largest bomb we can basically drop without it being a nuclear weapon. And, of course, some nuclear weapons would be smaller or whatever, but... This is a massive, massive use of our weaponry that has never been used before. And again, that's what's, that's what's concerning or disconcerting more than even the fact that it happened. It's like Trump now feels like he can do this. That, that's what's really a big problem.
4: And he, he's a guy who likes to like he's always been a flashy guy who likes to do something for, for the, for the uh, show, not for the actual substance.
1: Yeah, for the style points for sure.
4: Like so, he drops the biggest bomb. Where's he gonna go from here?
1: Right. Well, and also let let's say this. So we're gonna talk about it when we get to the serious stuff. The way that our media kind of fawned over the you know use of those weapons, and you know, once once the United States uses military power like that, our media, the corporate media, which you know is owned by people that. gets money from the companies that build these weapons and whatever. So it becomes a very uh, insidious thing. It becomes a very like orgiastic kind of situation where we use the weapon and they go, I mean, you know, we can argue about whether it was right or not, but my God, that was an amazing spectacle. You know what I mean? They like worship these types of uh, events. They, the, the raw power of it kind of inc- excites them because there's footage of it and there's sounds and whatever. So it's beautiful for TV. But it's a horrific thing that we're doing. It's war. It's death. Um, and so I think, like you said, Trump is a style guy. Yeah, it, th- they are just going to play into this way more. And we got a clip. Let me tell you something. We got a clip of Maria Bartiromo at the end interviewing Trump. I, it is I, it is infuriating. I can't even... I, it. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. It's <laughs> Look, so aggravating. I know
3: you got your rundown. Why don't you just play the clip? No,
1: no, 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 no. We'll wait. Nah. Till, no, it's all right. We'll Teaser wait till the, the, the show. You got yeah, teased. it's tease, Joey. Okay. Uh, I got this quote here from an article on The Guardian. It says, Trump on Wednesday said he would dispatch his national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, to meet with uh, Nicholson. I can't remember the guy's first name, but he's the... Um... No, wait. Don't I have it? Hold on. I have it right here. John Nicholson, General John Nicholson. He's the commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan. Trump on Wednesday said he would dispatch his national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, to meet with Nicholson and conduct a policy review as a three-star army general on active duty. McMaster, who's Trump's national security advisor, is outranked by Nicholson, making it difficult for McMaster to resist Nicholson's recommendations, which isn't that adorable.
3: So So, you're going to send somebody who has less ranking to tell somebody with a greater ranking what to do?
1: No, not to tell him what to do, but he's going to have to listen to a guy who is higher ranking than him. He's going to get his recommendation. It's going to be less likely, in my mind, that McMaster is going to go against the guy who's higher ranking than him, Hmm. regardless of his position in the Trump administration. That's just not how the military works or how a military mind works, essentially.
4: But it's not it's not like he's gonna go to a go stay in the military once he's done as the NSA NSA advisor. This is probably his final stop. It's not like he's trying to climb the ranks anymore. He anything he says has the weight of the presidency behind it. He has to I have to assume.
1: I guess, but I mean, Trump- who, but Nicholson's the one that's now you know, he's responsible for this strike. He's you know, he's obviously been talking to Trump about it and suggesting that they should do it. He's like this is the right move seems like Trump has got the you know the ear of generals that want to do stuff like this to have have Trump's ear and this is part of the whole fucking power vacuum whatever with Bannon potentially being on the outs the whole alt right for all their faults God knows. They are at least isolationist. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be doing stuff like this, and this is where there's going to be a huge schism in the, in the administration where Bannon might be out. Kushner, he fucking, I'm sure, is happy to drop bombs on people. Mattis, we know, is a troops-on-the-ground guy. So this is a real serious situation where now Trump, you're watching a a egomaniac in a position of ultimate power feel good about exercising that power now, and it's happened very quickly, and that's a really... Really dangerous goddamn thing. And we're gonna get into it when we talk about Syria, which we're gonna get into in a se- like in a second. Um Hillary Clinton, man, she supports what Trump did in Syria. Yep. I-, I haven't heard what anybody's had to say about this yet, but
4: Wor- worst superhero ever, Hillary Clinton, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh I I don't even know. I was gonna make a joke, but I of <laughs> Um all right. You ready to move on here? I mean this again now dovetails nicely into what we're gonna talk about
3: just one time tell me what MOAB stands for it doesn't stand for mother of all bombs look it up it's Matt. a
4: massive ordnance air blast there you go damn it All um, right, fine.
1: yeah we're not gonna do that we're not gonna sit here like the fucking jerk off corporate media and like oh we use the mother of all bombs it's the same thing with shock and awe remember that shit all the time that's all I talk about shock and awe campaign shock and awe. yeah that worked out really well Iraq is perfect it's beautiful I went over there I got Starbucks the other day oh wait what's that they don't have running water okay Syrian airstrike on Thursday night last week. The United States under the first authorization of President Donald Trump as commander in chief. Oh actually you know what I'm lying about that. He had the fucked up Yemen raid, right? This is not his first military strike, but okay, but it's the first use of like military weaponry. Right? Launched 59 cruise missiles into missiles into Syria, attacking a Syrian airfield near Homs as a retaliatory strike in response to last week's chemical attack by Syrian President Bashar al-Assad on rebels which killed more than 80 people, including children. The U.S. says 20 planes were destroyed out of 262 strike craft that the Syrians have, that the Syrian military has. Flights from the base have resumed already. So Hmm. for people that, you know, want to consider this thing like, well, we showed them, we didn't do anything. It's a pinprick.
4: Yeah, it and, was nothing. We and, just dropped, you know. And how long before Russia sells them 20 new planes?
1: Yeah, of course. Right. It's not uh, It's not that big a deal. Meanwhile, it's Shirat Air Base, seven killed, nine wounded. That's according to Russian and Syrian forces. I don't know necessarily what the United States had to say about it. But this is something that we talked about last week, where we knew that Trump, it seemed like a, there was a policy shift, certainly. Um, but we didn't know what he was going to do. But we cautioned that I think it's going to result in military... Attacks and potentially regime change, which we're going to get, excuse me, which we're going to get into a little bit later. Um, And this was it. This was what they chose to do. They dropped, you know, almost sixty missiles on an airfield in Syria. This is the president speaking from his makeshift press room at Mar-a-Lago, his Florida resort.
4: The Winter White House.
6: Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad, launched a horrible chemical weapons attack on innocent civilians. Using a deadly nerve agent, Assad choked out the lives of helpless men, women, and children. It was a slow and brutal death for so many. Even beautiful babies were cruelly murdered in this very barbaric
1: attack. Yeah, as they have been for six years. This is the thing that, you know, keeps getting confused. It's not the first time this has happened. And we're going to go back and talk about when it first happened. I mean, the first, like, internationally recognized time that chemical weapons were used, when the red line was crossed and everybody's going to blame Obama. Obama should have done something. Why didn't Obama do something? We're going to talk about why he didn't do something. But let's let this guy finish.
6: No child of God should ever suffer such horror. Tonight I ordered a targeted military strike on the airfield in Syria from where the chemical attack was launched. It is in this vital national security interest of the United States to prevent and deter the spread and use Of deadly chemical weapons there can be no dispute that Syria used banned chemical weapons violated its obligations under the chemical weapons convention and ignored the urging of the UN Security Council
1: oh now the UN is okay the illegitimate UN that Trump thinks we should pull out of and not Mm -hmm. give any money to oh now the UN okay
6: Years of previous attempts. Didn't at he sh- say something yesterday or
1: whatever about NATO, where he was like, "I said NATO is obsolete. It's, it's not It's no obsolete. longer obsolete. Oh, because now we need it potentially.
4: N- now suddenly we need to fight off fight off Russia and all that. Right. I'll believe action. I'll believe that when I see action.
1: Well, we'll
6: see. Yeah. Changing Assad's behavior have all failed and failed very dramatically. As a result, the refugee crisis continues to deepen. And the region continues to destabilize, threatening the United States and its allies. Tonight, I call on all civilized nations to join us in seeking to end the slaughter and bloodshed in Syria. And also to end terrorism of all kinds and all types.
1: Trump wants to... End the bloodshed in Syria and terrorism mm-hmm. of all kinds.
4: Yes. Because fighting an idea like terrorism has always let us let us into the promised land.
1: Well, it's l- literally not possible. I mean, what does that even mean? That but the danger is does not Canada Trump. This is President of the United States, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. who if wa- if he wants to find a rationale to fight the war on terror, try to end terrorism, he will. And I'm concerned that our Congress, I'm concerned that our military, that they're going to go along with that, that the general public, that the people that voted for Trump, the base of Trump supports what he's doing
3: because it looks good. It's not a policy, but it seems like a policy. Well, let's see. He gives this speech and then what, seven days later drops the biggest bomb that we have?
1: Yeah. Well, this is, yeah, it's a, yeah, I mean, about a week, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
6: We ask for God's wisdom as we face the challenge of our very troubled world. We pray for the lives of the wounded and for the souls of those who have passed. And we hope that as long as America stands for justice, then peace and harmony will, in the end, prevail. Good night, and God bless America. And the entire world. Thank you.
3: How do you get peace and harmony from a bomb? That, you know, well, I mean,
1: whatever. That's a, you know, you, the, fundamentally, it's like sometimes you have to fight a war to have peace, probably, but this is not that.
4: One of the great paradoxes. Right.
1: And, you know, that should be troubling to people as well, where Trump is invoking God quite a bit. Mm. In that speech, he's also saying, God bless the entire world, which. Seems to me to be a shift of a guy that now feels like he has to protect the world as opposed to just being America first, uh, as he said in his inauguration speech and make America great again. It seems like that idea is now stretched to we're gonna have to protect the whole world. That's extremely dangerous. A guy that has no real worldview, um, well, running the world, that's very dangerous.
4: Well, previously, has, his idea of protecting America is building a wall, now we're gonna have to build a wall around the world.
1: Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, none of this makes sense and it's all, I mean, I think predictable. I mean, I think it's stuff that we talked about during the campaign It's stuff we talked about, uh, when he was against Hillary, we talked about it in the months before he actually became president. Like this is the shit that we were concerned about rightfully so. And people want to ignore it. No, he's not going to do that. Okay. He is doing it. So now what, now what it's the job of the citizenry, the people that did not vote for him to pay attention and, combat this it's the job of lawmakers to combat this but the problem is a lot of these people are being paid by the same people and being lobbied by the same people that got trump elected and they want to keep their seats and they're probably going to be safe so they don't have an incentive to it's very difficult to vote against a bombing essentially right it seems like oh a green beret got killed yeah sure let's bomb them As long as it doesn't kill a bunch of civilians, as long as it doesn't seem like it's going to get us into endless war, that's an easy win. Your poll numbers go up. You go, listen, I voted to defend America. It's very easy to rally behind that shit, especially when you have, like I said, our corporate media that's very rah-rah, this type of shit, because it looks good on television. How many times have you seen the video of the fucking cruise missiles being shot off the warship? A lot. A lot. Over and over. While they're talking, they have it over it. You see it. The fucking shooting off into the night sky. That's good television. It's good for corporate media. It's a good way to sell tide, but it's not good as a democracy. It's not good as a country. It's not good as a world generally. That's the fucking concern. Dmitry Peskov, who's a Kremlin spokesman, says, Putin views the U.S. strikes on Syria as aggression against a sovereign state in violation of the norms of international law, which is ridiculous, obviously. I mean, that's not ridiculous, but obviously
4: Assad is in violation of international law. Well, and also interfering other governments. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's just Russia. Ridiculous. can. That's the pot calling the kettle
5: black.
1: Right. Washington step will inflict major damage on U.S.-Russia ties. Yeah, pot, Maybe um the u.s also supposedly informed russia of the impending strikes before carrying them out which is funny because trump always goes i don't like to tell people what i'm gonna do meanwhile you let russia know and now russia's acting let them know you don't have to and then russia's acting like we didn't and now they're hurt but it's like all right they had plenty of opportunity tillerson apparently was on the phone with ambassadors from russia and you know okay Meanwhile, on Wednesday, U.S. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson met with Russian President Vladimir Putin for the first time. And I have a video here of Tillerson uh, talking about how that meeting went.
2: We just came from a productive meeting, as you heard Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, mention, of about two hours. Well, what
1: is with this administration? Can't get in front of a microphone. That sounds normal. What What's going on? Trump, he's at fucking Mar-a-Lago. He sounds like a robot. This guy sounds like he lives in uh, fucking Optimus Prime's dick. It sounds terrible.
2: With President Putin, <laughs> we frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I express the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship. We spoke extensively about Syria, and in some areas, we share a common view. Specifically, we both believe in a unified and stable Syria, and we agree we want to deny a safe haven for terrorists who want to attack both of our countries. We agree that North Korea has to be denuclearized. We agreed there needs to be more senior-level communication between our two countries, both at a diplomatic and military level. <clears throat> but there is a broad range of other issues in which we have differences.
3: Yeah.
5: Well,
1: yeah. God, gotcha. I feel like you're going to say something.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm going to scream conspiracy for a second. Maybe okay. the audio sounds like shit because they don't want anyone listening to it. Yeah, but everybody... Yeah, I mean, I guess, but that's... Look, the real... Because if it don't sound pretty, people are not going to listen.
1: I guess the reality of what the Trump situation is just that he is in a makeshift fucking press room. They have to build him a real press room, probably, in Mar-a-Lago, because he's going to be there a lot. So that's the reality. It's just... um, Like, when you see dictators, third-world dictators, during a fucking war or whatever, and they're they're coming to you from, like, a little shanty, and the audio sounds like shit, that's the same situation, because they have to build it really quickly, and it just sounds terrible. You know, they'll figure it out. But, okay. Before we go any further, I'd actually like to go back in time to 2013 to set the record straight before we hear reactions from U.S. lawmakers and next possible steps, all right? The red line, the chemical weapons red line, was first crossed on August 21st, 2013, which then-President Barack Obama wanted to respond to, but I'm going to read some quotes. Right? Mm-hmm. These are from two articles that I got from 2013. By the way, the August 21st chemical weapons red line mm-hmm. crossing, 800 civilians were dead. 800. 800. A lot Ooh. more wounded, right? So a much larger, I mean, 10 times as big. Okay. This is a article from the Washington Post, August 28, 2013, titled, More Than 100 Lawmakers ask Obama to Seek Congressional Approval on Syrian Strikes. I'm going to read from the article. More than 100 House lawmakers, at least 98 Republicans and 18 Democrats, have signed on to a letter formally requesting that President Obama seek congressional approval for any military response to the use of chemical weapons in Syria, which we know that the current president did not do and was not asked to do. The letter, first written by Representative Scott Riggle, a Republican from Virginia, suggests that failure to seek congressional authorization for military strikes would be unconstitutional. I'm grateful and encouraged by the strong bipartisan support this letter has received, Riggle said in a statement Wednesday. It's a clear indication that this issue is not personal to the president, but rather represents common ground in Congress and a deep respect for the Constitution. The request by hundreds of lawmakers came as House Speaker John Boehner, Republican from Ohio, also formally requested in a letter that Obama, quote, provide a clear, unambiguous explanation of how military action, which is a means, not a policy, will secure U.S. objectives and how it fits into your overall policy regarding the situation in Syria. Did anybody do that before Trump attacked Syria just last week? No. This is another article I have. August 31st, 2013, the New York Times. Headline, Obama seeks approval by Congress for striking Syria. On August 21st, Obama wanted to attack Syria. Congress, a week later, says... No, you have to ask us for permission to attack Congress. Obama obliges them... To attack Congress? To attack Syria.
4: (laughs) I mean, can we please attack Congress? I think it would be useful right uh, now.
1: (laughs) August 31st, this happens. Washington. President Obama abruptly changed course on Saturday and postponed a military strike against the Syrian government in retaliation for a chemical weapons attack so he could seek authorization first from a deeply skeptical Congress. People that want to talk about Obama, he shouldn't have drawn the red line in the sand if he wasn't going to sack up and do He was going to. I don't support that. I think it was a bad move I think it's then. I think it's a bad move now. He was going to respond to it. Congress said, no, we have to give you authorization. Instead of ignoring Congress, he did the constitutional thing, went to Congress,
3: and we're going to get to that in a second. So wait, you just said he did the constitutional thing and went to Congress. Yeah, he needs so authorization. So you're claiming now that Trump is going against the constitution by throwing bombs at Syria.
1: The authorization of military force is a dubious thing. It was authorized in 2001 for Afghanistan and Iraq.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Syria is not Afghanistan and Iraq. Correct. But if you consider all terrorism the battlefield or whatever and you know like then you can kind of stretch that which they've been doing. It, it's not like anything's going to happen. It's not like Trump is legally, but yeah, I mean, basically, yes, you need Congress to give you approval. However, not really. Cause the presidents I've always done this type of shit where they can manipulate what happened and we have to strike now. We didn't have time to go to Congress. We got, you know, the, yeah. it's that type of game. The article continues. in one of the riskiest gambles of his presidency, Mr. Obama effectively dared lawmakers to either stand by him Or, as he put it, allow President Bashar al-Assad of Syria to get away with murdering children with unconventional weapons. By asking them to take a stand, Mr. Obama tried to break out of the isolation of the last week as he confronted taking action without the support of the United Nations, Congress, the public, or Britain, a usually reliable partner in such international operations. I'm prepared to give that order, Mr. Obama said in a hurriedly... Uh, hurriedly organized appearance in the Rose Garden as American destroyers armed with Tomahawk missiles waited in the Mediterranean Sea. The exact same strike. I mean, literally, they took they put this one on the shelf Mm -hmm. and then fast forward four years later, Trump pulls it off the shelf and uses basically the same plan that Obama was going to use to attack Syria after a much worse chemical weapons attack. But, having made my decision as a commander-in-chief based on what I am convinced is our national security interests, I'm also mindful that I'm the president of the world's oldest constitutional democracy. Although congressional leaders hailed his decision to seek the permission of lawmakers who had been claiming for, clamoring for a say, the turnabout leaves Mr. Obama as the political mercy of House Republicans, many of whom have opposed him at every turn, and have already suggested that serious civil war does not pose a threat to the United States. His decision raises the possibility that he would be the first president in modern times to lose a vote on the use of force, much as Prime Minister David Cameron of Britain did in Parliament last week. Congressional Republicans, they did not go on to authorize the use of force in 2013. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with the United States. We did not feel like interfering. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like there's quite an appetite to bomb Syria. And I have a lot of responses from lawmakers which we are going to get to democrats republicans that are like yeah it was the right thing to do from today yeah where where were you in 2013 when something 10 times worse happened but no we're gonna we're gonna blame obama and say obama's a pussy meanwhile it was house republicans that had the ability to authorize the strike we don't care about them in 2013 obama's a puss 2017 oh little babies got killed and we support trump democrats and republicans included the media
3: The polling data suggests that Americans support it? Are you fucking kidding me? And here's the polling data. Look, it comes to a point where Assad keeps on doing the same thing. You know, what what you also have to keep in mind, back in 2013, when Obama went to Congress, he was also trying to go to the other world leaders to see if anyone wanted to sign off on it. Yeah, they didn't want to. Nobody wanted to. Right. That's my point. That's the point I'm making. But... When you have people keep on using chemical weapons or keep on killing their own people, it comes to a point where you have to say, that's enough. But what did this... And ke- Donald Trump has said, that's enough. Yeah,
1: the attack did nothing. We already talked about it. It did literally nothing. It blew up a couple of their plans. They've continued to bomb. That's Nothing happened. It didn't do anything. The strike, everybody acknowledges that the strike did not stop. Bashar al-Assad, it's not going to stop the war, it doesn't save babies from getting killed, it doesn't solve the refugee crisis, it does absolutely nothing except weaken our position in the region with Russia, Iran, Turkey, all of our allies over there, it fucks up our ability probably to fight uh, ISIS in Raqqa, this did nothing, it's nothing, this did nothing, and the concern is, which we're going to get to at the end of the segment, what is the next step? Because the administration doesn't really seem to have a clear point of view on this. But my guess is regime change. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about billions of dollars, blood, treasure, more debts, more war. And what happens? We talked about it last week. When you have a president, when the United States get involved in a military conflict, people are much more likely to support that president. And we do not need to be supporting the most dangerous president we've ever had at the helm of the ship. It is very very dangerous that's the problem that's the issue polling data at the time in 2013 showed the majority opposition to strikes as well a cnn orc poll from september 6th to 8th in 2013 55 percent of american citizens oppose even if congress says it's okay 71 percent oppose If Congress doesn't, okay, which they didn't. 72% said that there's no U.S. goals achieved by doing any kind of strike in Syria. The same strike. The same strike. Mm -hmm. 69% said it's not in the U.S. national interest to do that. What's different today? Nothing. It's four years later. There's nothing different. Conditions on the ground are the same. The same person is in charge of Syria. The only difference is we have somebody who is dangerously unqualified to be president as president. And so,
4: of course, America's like, yeah, let's do it now. Great. I mean, this whole th- thing, everything about asking for approval is just a farce to begin with, in my view. Because if you, when was, la- do you know when the last time we America actually declared war, when Congress used their power to declare war?
3: That's World War II. Yeah.
4: Right. That was the last time we declared war. So the idea that, oh, co- Congress is going to grandstand and say, oh, they need to come ask us at this time. Th- bullshit. Cong- Congress has ceded the right at any point to say, oh, you need to come ask us. Congress needs to grow uh, a pair. except
1: when except when Obama was president.
4: Yeah, and uh, what I'm saying is Congress needs to actually grow a pair and bring back its power. It's constitutional duty to actually have a balance of powers and keep the president from just uni- yeah, unilaterally they don't declaring care, war. Man,
1: because they not they th- again, this it all goes back to the fundamental problem that we talked about right at the beginning of this election since the podcast started. The problem is our Congress does not work for us. They don't really work for the co- the country in general, the democracy of the United States or the Constitution. They work for corporations and moneyed interests. That is the problem. And you can see it every time something like this happens. Do you think that our Congress wants to go against Raytheon? They want to go against the companies that are building these weapons? Whip- no, because that's who pays for all this shit. They are happy where they are. I'd,
4: I'd say the origins of actually why Congress see that power goes is much less nefarious. It's more you go back to the Korea and they couldn't openly declare war back then uh, and fear that if they were well, declare- we're still in a conflict. Well, well yes, but I'm saying, if they declare war in Korea, then it would have been open conflict with with Russia and the fear is nuclear war. That was where it started. But then it's just become, okay, it's okay for Congress to give their power away and now we right. don't... Now we talk about balance of powers all the time. We don't have well, a no, balance of, of powers but, anymore. But that's
1: what I'm talking about, though. They're, they're willing to give away their power because they keep their power. They stay and, in
4: their seat. And th- it's politics to talk a big game. Like, oh, we, we need you need to do this. We need to do this. We have this power. Then use your fucking power and actually and actually stand up to the presidency. Actually, take some of your power back and make and balance out this country again. We don't have a balance of powers anymore.
1: Back to present day, former two-time failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton speaking at a Women in the World event, mere hours before President Trump's administration bombed Syria. She voiced her plan uh, in response to Assad's chemical attack, and here is the clip of Hillary Clinton. Discussing what she would do. Hold on, let me pause it, because I don't want to miss anything. All right, let's go. She looks great.
0: But Assad had an Air Force, and that Air Force is the cause of most of the civilian deaths, as we have seen over the years, and as we saw again uh, in the last few days. And I really believe that we should have, and still should, take out his airfields and prevent him from being able to use them to bomb innocent people and drop sarin gas on them so
1: i want all of the lefties all the liberals everybody to listen to that clip and next time you go god i wish hillary was president i do too all right i do too but her policy is the same on syria And we talked about that the entire lead up. We talked about it in the primaries. That's why I didn't support Hillary Clinton. I said that was one of the main things I was concerned about her foreign policy. Hillary Clinton, make no mistake about it, would have done exactly the same thing that Trump would have done. Maybe even more. Maybe more. Right. She thinks we should uh, set up a no-fly zone. Trump hasn't mentioned that. Who knows what Hillary Clinton would have done. But I said Trump would have us in a war in Syria. I said Hillary would have us in a war in Syria. It was the same shit. And I stand by that. And Hillary Clinton, hours before Trump acted, said the same thing.
3: Million dollar question: If Hillary Clinton is president, does Assad use the chemical weapons?
1: Of course. What, he's, what he's he, he keep does it using anyway. Chemical weapons now. Yeah. What this didn't change anything.
3: The only thing, the
1: only next step, is regime change. That's the only way to get Assad to stop gassing his people, to stop bombing his people. And then what do you do? We're in the exact same situation we in in Iraq we keep repeating the same shit over and over again because we allow the same interests to control this country over and over again. And people wanted to pretend that Trump was somehow going to be this guy that stays out of conflict. and Obviously not. And Hillary Clinton, the fucking hawk certainly was not going to do that either. And that's what I cautioned about throughout. It's not like, am I fucking crazy? Obviously Hillary would have done the same shit. The only difference is Hillary Clinton has some, uh, you know, experience under her belt and probably, would be able to weigh the consequences a little bit better than Trump, but make no mistake, their policy is the same.
4: And the, the more experience you feel, you feel would keep her from just saying, "Oh, I want to drop a bigger bomb. Let's get the Moab."
1: Yeah, I don't think the Moab bomb would have happened, you know. But but okay, Syria but, is still
4: going to be the problem. And and the only way to actually stop him from using chemical weapons is to make the consequences of using them worse than the consequences of not using them. I mean, I sort of view this as okay. Is the war worth us getting in, involved in as a whole? Like 800 people... What is it? 800 people died in the first chemical strike eight, four years, or several years ago. 80 in this one. That's... Out of 200 plus thousand civilians have died in this war. Yeah. And... Why, Lots of why, children. Why do we draw this arbitrary line that one way of killing people is so horrible as opposed to just the entire war as a whole?
1: Well, look... I get it. I get that. You know, the chemical thing is internationally recognized as a a war crime and a a terrible. Not that he hasn't committed other war crimes in terms of rules of engagement and whatever, but yeah, I understand your point, right? Why, like, 80 people? So it's it's 900 people, let's say, in these two chemical attacks, as compared to the other 199,800 people, you know, whatever, 200 people that got killed. Right. This war is going to continue, though. This is the thing 200,000 plus. Because this war is not going to end because of this shit. What will stop the war is the U.S. I mean, stop it. What What could take Assad out of power, potentially, is the U.S. getting further involved. Regime change. Putting boots on the ground. Bombing them consistently. But that's a war. Like The the ramifications of that are not something that the United States should be involved in. We've talked about this so many times on the show. It's accepting. The only thing we can do to help the people of Syria, really, is accept the refugees that have left Syria. Otherwise, humanitarian aid... That's it. We're going to arm rebels. We, we don't even, <laughs> by the way, speaking of rebel groups, a us led coalition airstrike against ISIS in Tabqa, Syria today, mistakenly killed 18 SDF forces who are the Kurds and the Arabs that are, you know, we're cool with them. They, we've kind of joined together. They're the Syrian democratic forces. Those are some, one of the rebel groups that we're okay with, um, after the Pentagon, Pentagon of faulty information. So we killed 18 of our own allies, you know, mm-hmm in Syria today, but that's not gonna get much, you know,
3: notice. Well, again, too, the the whole thing is a fucking cragmire. You have a civil war going on. Yes. And at the end you don't even know who is fighting who.
1: Right. Right, right. so And I don't think this administration's well equipped enough to fight a two prong war against ISIS in Raqqa while also fighting a war against the regime. But we need to use the regime's airfields and airspace to bomb ISIS to begin with. Plus Iran's involved, Russia's involved yeah no, I don't think I don't think that. The and the war
3: court has no idea what to do with the UN.
1: Well, the UN, I mean, essentially can't do any. I mean, what, what are they going to do? They didn't try Bush. They didn't try anybody that committed war crimes in this country. What, what are they going to do? They could try Assad right now,
4: but but I mean, Russia has a veto power in the UN. Yeah, Russia's right. ne- Russia wants Assad in power, and therefore, if if we actually want to want regime regime change, it's open. It might. I mean, that's openly going against Russia's will.
1: Yeah, of course. And you know what? You take Assad out. Russia's not going to like that. No, but who who takes power?
4: Afterwards? The next scumbag.
1: Yeah, but do we have control over that? That's the other thing.
4: You know, like we had control over Saddam Hussein at one point.
1: Right, but then we chose to recede that control. You know what I mean? We were like, all right, we got to take him out, and then you don't know who the fuck's going to take power.
4: I mean, we we, we uh, gave the Taliban power essentially. Of course, the United but States we, has
1: been involved in much of the the power vacuums yeah. across the Middle East for generations. Yeah, I mean, just of course, of course, El Sisi, we we've allowed to take power in Egypt.
4: And, and and actually, the Taliban. We were fight. We gave the Taliban weapons to fight Russia. Right. Let's do that instead. Let's right. do that in Syria now. Right. And let's not forget that. Oh, one of the major players in Syria, ISIS. That's yeah. war. That's why ISIS got big because of this whole war. Of course. Like there's and there's countless rebel groups. There's countless groups. Yeah.
3: It's, it's that it's, we
4: don't know who is going to take power. No. It would be a complete clusterfuck. And yeah, Assad's terrible.
3: But I'd,
1: right again, nobody. Right. That's the other thing that like gets. Why, why can't we say yeah, Assad is terrible. We hate what he's doing. There's nothing we can really do about it.
3: All right question. We go back to 2013. Russia tells Assad, you can't use the chemical weapons. Give us the chemical weapons. So they take the chemical weapons. Where the fuck did these chemical well, weapons Russia come from? Well, Russia
1: didn't take the chemical I mean, that's not really true.
4: And they, they have stockpiles somewhere. Yeah, and, and
1: I mean, it's... Russia could have provided them these chemical weapons. Who the fuck knows? Russia's not super concerned about the use of chemical weapons in Syria.
4: I mean, accusing Putin of having blood in his hands, he doesn't give a fuck.
1: Right. He's like, yeah.
4: He, right. has, he has blood in his That's hands. That's how
1: isn't? I keep power. Yeah, he, correct. Yeah, you figured it out. Correct.
4: But Putin is the most Machiavellian leader leader in the world right now. He well, he's
1: not Machiavellian because he's not uh, hiding it. It's like we he's not Machiavellian. He's outwardly we know what he's doing. It's but, not uh, no, shocking. He, he's an,
4: oh, he he openly manipulates. He right. ha, he puts on a facade of I'm not doing anything. Right. But it's
1: well, they're still saying Russia's still being like, yeah, this is bull. Like this didn't even happen. No, it, it yes, it did. We saw that. But but meanwhile, Ron, Ron Paul and fucking Vladimir Putin agree. Here's some response from lawmakers. Now, this is what really, you know, as if I'm that pissed off about the whole thing to begin with. This is the response from the lawmakers, the same lawmakers who in 2013 were like, no, we can't. We can't do anything. Rand Paul. Now, Rand Paul, to his credit, is against this. He says, our, uh, our prior interventions in this region have done nothing to make us safer, and Syria will be no different. Representative Barbara Lee from California, the Democrat, says this is an act of war. Congress needs to come back into session to hold a debate. Anything less is an abdication of our responsibility. However, that is not a condemnation of the attack. It's just saying we need to be responsible for it.
4: And you've already abdicated that power. Fuck of you. Of course,
1: absolutely. Um, but wasn't Barbara Lee the only one that stood against the use of force in Iraq? She was the one that voted against it. Somebody Google it. Senator Tim Kaine, remember him? Mm-hmm. Assad is a brutal dictator who must be held accountable for his actions. So essentially, Tim Kaine, supportive. But President Trump has launched a military strike against Syria without a vote of Congress. The Constitution says says war must be declared by Congress. I voted for military action against Syria in 2013. Oh, good. Good for you. And when Donald Trump was advocating that America turn its back on Assad's atrocities. Oh, yeah. I have a bunch of Trump tweets, too, from 2013. Oh, yeah. Congress will work with the president. But his failure to seek congressional approval is unlawful. So essentially, the, who, the would-be vice president of the United States, the Democratic mm-hmm. vice president, is like, listen, we like that he bombed Syria. We're for it. Yeah. He's just got to talk to us first. Like, oh, wow, what great opposition. Senator Chris Coons, Democrat from Delaware. I'm encouraged by the president's strike against the Assad regime. Oh, good. Great but gravely concerned that the United States is engaging further militarily in Syria without a well-thought-out, comprehensive plan. Frankly, the president's actions today generate more questions than answers. Then why are you encouraged by it? Why would you be encouraged by the fact that he left before looking? What are you, nuts? Why why would that be encouraging? Yeah. Democrats. Senators John McCain and Lindsey Graham released a joint statement, but I'm just going to read it as John McCain. Unlike the previous administration, President Trump confronted a pivotal moment in Syria and took action. For that, he deserves the support of the American people. And if you don't support it, you're all stupid idiots. That's not what that says. I'm going to go back to bed with my friend Lindsay. Okay, (laughs) that's weird. Why would he include that? (laughs) Lindsay's a
4: girl's name. He can go to bed with us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Representative Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, Republican from Wisconsin. Now, I've been working on a Paul Ryan... A little bit. Oh, God. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Uh, Earlier this week, the Assad regime murdered dozens of innocent men, women, and children in a barbaric chemical weapons attack. Tonight, the United States responded. This action was appropriate and just. These tactical strikes make clear that the Assad regime can no longer count on American inaction as it carries out atrocities against the Syrian people. Resolving the years-long crisis in Syria is a complex task, but Bashar al-Assad must be held accountable, and his enablers must be persuaded to change course. I look forward to the administration further engaging Congress in this effort. So, Paul Ryan, right on board. Meanwhile, oh, I don't know how they're going to get along. How are Paul Ryan and Trump—they're going to get along fine. Yeah, they're going to be fine. Senator Chuck Schumer uh oh. Demo- Democrat from New York. I wrote Republican, but obviously he's a Democrat. Making sure Assad knows that when he commits such despicable atrocities, he will pay a price is the right thing to do. It is incumbent on the Trump administration to come up with a strategy and consult with Congress before implementing it. Supportive. Wow, it's amazing. All of these. Oh, Trump. Never Trump. Trump's the worst. Trump's a bigot. Trump's a racist. Trump's a white supremacist. But. We support his military actions. I mean, we got to get him As long as he drops a bomb. As long as he's bombing somebody we can all say is bad, we're we're for him. I don't care how many women's pussies he grabs. He's still, you know, he knows what he's doing. Senator Bill Nelson, Democrat from Florida. I support the administration strike on the airbase that launched the chemical attack. I hope this teaches Assad not to use chemical weapons again. It won't. It won't. Democrats. These are the
3: fucks that are running this. Democrats. So what happens now? Supportive. No, no, no. What happens? Supportive. What happens in four years when Assad uses the chemical weapons again? Four
1: years? I mean, who the fuck knows? He might use them soon. That's my point.
4: We the, we take next, another target that means nothing. I, I
1: think you're looking at regime change. I personally think that that is where this is all heading.
4: That's what I believe. I, you you do you actually think we're gonna have a full scale war in Syria? Though? We'll do
1: something. Yeah. Yes. I think he'll increase the number of troops on the ground. They already did away with the caps for the number of troops they could have there. I'm not. I'm not. Why would sh- they do that?
4: I'm not sure that America can handle another war in the Middle East. And you've, we've already seen the...
1: What happens if we get attacked? What happens if we get attacked? That's the thing. That is the thing that, that is... That have to be from Syria That is over. Nope. Nope. We can make that up. We can make that up. Because we did it. That, we already did it. We did it in the late 80s. This documentary I'm watching. We blamed Muammar Gaddafi for strikes...
4: Uh, Reagan did. Can we get a name on the documentary, by the way? Yeah,
1: Hypernormalization. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, Hypernormalization. It's a BBC documentary. It's great. It's probably on
4: Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find it. But
1: we blamed Libya. We blamed Muammar Gaddafi. Muammar Gaddafi, at the time, had written a book about his idea about how to, like, run the Middle East and, mm-hmm. like, how to, you know, government and whatever. Uh, which was widely pant. Like, nobody read it. Nobody cared about it. But when Reagan realized that Hafez al-Assad, Bashar al-Assad's dad, had attacked U.S. troops somewhere. I forget what the exact... I don't remember exactly what the time I had, but it was definitely Hafez al-Assad, right? Mm-hmm. It was Syria at the time that attacked the United States, attacked our troops around the world. Reagan realized, oh, we can't attack Syria, so what did they do? They created a false narrative and said, oh, it was Libya. In doing so, Muammar Gaddafi was like, Fuck yeah! Now I'm gonna to pretend to be the bad dick on the block, and he played that role of like crazy dictator, or whatever. We we could we can make a way for people to think that Syria attacked us or whatever. I wouldn't worry about that. Well, the big the bigger picture though is, which we've talked about a number of times. It's not like some crazy conspiracy. It is inept. They are inept. The problem is, I feel like we are could be attacked at any time. They are not prepared to handle that they're not paying attention to what could happen and we will use that context to get us into war and people will support it that's the problem that is the ultimate problem that i'm seeing farid zakaria you know this guy the guy on cnn Mm -hmm. he was being interviewed the other day he goes i think donald trump became president of the united states last night when he dropped those bombs that's what he's referring to i i thought he became president when he honored the widow whose husband he got killed Mm -hmm. but no apparently now that he's You know, he's used military might. Now he became the president. These are the fucking, this is our media.
4: This is our corporate Mm -hmm. media. Every time he doesn't trip over himself, like the State of the Union, all of a sudden, oh, like he became the president. I mean, I thought he became president at the inauguration personally, but.
1: Well, whatever. Yeah, but they're saying it because it's like, well, he, you know what, he took the gravity of the situation. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. It's not, it's, not, uh, it's not hard for somebody that can't grasp the consequences to go, yeah, let's do that.
3: So you, so you would have wanted him to go to Congress. No, I would have wanted him to not do anything. And have them all say no? no? They wouldn't have said no. That's my belief. I think they would have said, yeah, look at them. They're all lining up
1: to
4: be like, yeah, good move. But Congress doesn't want to have a vote because then they're on the, right, rec- then then they're they're on the record and they're responsible for it. And I
1: think they would have. Well, first of all, it's a Republican-controlled Congress, so they, we would have authorized the attack for sure.
3: Uh, he should have went then. No.
1: Why? Why bother?
3: Because it looks better, this looks better. But this he- looks
1: like yeah. I, look, it I, looks like I, the president made it like a executive yeah. decision, right? And people like Fareed Zakaria, the Democrats, people on TV. I think Donald Trump became president of the United States last night. Okay, great. So the guy again, the guy who just yesterday they're writing headlines. They can't even organize the Easter egg roll. This guy, we're like, yeah, but you know what? He knows what he's doing. Milton, are you f-? the cognitive dissonance it takes to both support? the military action, and also think that he's so unqualified to be... It's shocking, the cognitive dissonance. This is Donald Trump himself. June 16th, 2013. We should stay the hell out of Syria. The rebels are just as bad as the current regime. What will we get for our lives and billions? Zero. August 28th, 2013. Now this is after the red line is crossed. Remember... All these freedom fighters in Syria want to fly planes into our buildings. Oh God! Donald. Yeah, this guy knows how to craft a tweet. Donald. August twenty two thousand thirteen. Let the Arab League take care of Syria. Why are these rich Arab countries not paying us for the tremendous cost of such an attack? Later on August twenty ninth, let. Uh, what will we? Be, what will we get for bombing Syria besides more debt and a possible long term conflict? Obama needs congressional approval. Yeah, so do you.
4: But now, so by, by not take, acting for approval, he shows that he can. He's he he shows he has the power to do this. He's had press right. Obama's weak. This is not, this is an authoritarian power grab, if, if it's anything.
1: September fifth, two thousand thirteen. Again, to our very foolish leader, do not attack Syria. If you, the he did, Trump as president mm-hmm. attacked Syria yeah. the same way that Obama wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Again, to our very foolish leader. Do not attack Syria. If you do, many very bad things will happen. And from that fight, the U.S. gets nothing. September 5th, 2013. Russia is sending a fleet of ships to the Mediterranean. Obama's war in Syria has the potential to widen into a worldwide conflict. Right. Still true. Mm -hmm. September 7th, 2013. President Obama, do not attack Syria. There is no upside and tremendous downside. Save your powder for another and more important day. Yeah, like when I'm president four years later. Doesn't that isn't that spooky? Does that is that like that's that is the current president years ago being like this is insane this going to broaden into a wider conflict. Don't do that. And then he literally does exactly the same thing for less than he was saying don't do it in 2013. That doesn't affect anybody? That our media thinks it's good that he's doing it?
4: In in his de- in his defense? No. I, let me just say that it saying that someone, but when you're when you're actually in, in power and when you have the reins, you do have a different perspective. I know they say you, that. Yeah, the perspective,
1: perspective is I'm here and I can press this button and bomb them. That, when you're there, you don't have that power. That, That's the only difference. It's I, not like he got. He didn't. Do you think, really, in your heart of hearts, do you think that guy, Donald Trump, the guy in 2013 who's tweeting, "Don't do it. It's stupid, foolishly leader. Do that. when he gets into power, you think? that what he somehow like learned a bunch in the last 67 days no. and was like, oh my God, I was totally wrong. No, he's still bashing Obama for not doing it, even though he's telling Obama not to do it then.
4: No, I, I I do think that he's a man who just has no actual ideology and right. just listens to whoever has his ear. But I think that if you're going to criticize someone, you also have to be as fair as possible. If, if, if you want to be taken credibly, you have to be as fair as possible. Well, how am and I being unfair to him? I'm just trying to... Well, what do you say? You're making a point,
1: but I didn't, I didn't not, you know, what what do you want? I'm laying out the case, laying out the case for 40 minutes here.
4: Oh, I mean, he's just, I can't, I'm not, I'm just trying to say, like, I don't want to go out and say, oh, he's an idiot, a stupid asshole, and that's why this is wrong. I'm trying to say, oh, he's wrong because, well, you shouldn't. Oh, of course. No, I think we,
1: yeah, but I think think we've done that. That's why I saved the tweets for last. I mean, I think we've laid out why this is not a good idea, for sure. And we've been talking about it for months and warning that he was going to do this,
3: which he did do. I'm sorry, but it comes to a point where someone has to act. Who? He's the president of the United Though That ship
1: has sailed. We've been screaming about it for two years. Don't let this happen. Hey, don't let this happen. Don't run Hillary against him. She's not going to. Don't do this. Okay, here he is. Here he is. We've been talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it. And now, finally, to wrap up this section, there's quite a bit of confusion as far as what administration policy is in Syria. Regime change, a one-time strike. I have a bunch of quotes here. Nikki Haley, who is the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and former South Carolina governor, Saturday, she says, there's not any sort of option where a political solution is going to happen with Assad at the head of the regime. If you look at his actions, if you look at the situation, it's going to be hard to see a government that's peaceful and stable with Assad. Regime change is something we think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster the Trump National Security Advisor on Saturday also. It's very difficult to understand how a political solution results from a continuation of the Assad regime. We're saying that we're the one. We're not saying that we're the ones that affect that change. So Nikki Haley saying regime change. He's saying regime change, but we're not going to be the ones to do it. Rex Tillerson on Sunday says the strike was related solely to the most recent horrific use of chemical weapons. The goal of the attack was to send a message to the Syrian president and its ally, Russia, that the U.S. wouldn't tolerate the use of chemical weapons. Other than that, there is no change to our military posture. Three different top level Trump administration officials all saying we're going to do different things in Syria. You Mm -hmm. know what the reality is? They all believe it. I don't think one of them is lying. I don't think they know. That's the problem. That's the problem. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back, we'll do the rest of the show. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, we are back from a little break. Joey went to the bathroom, me and Matt talked a little bit about the Supreme Court. I feel like we just needed to reset a little bit. That was a pretty heavy first hour of the program, right? But I think we got into Syria the way we needed to get into it. Absolutely.
4: Very, very heated discussion.
1: Yeah, I, I dabbed my my bloody Yorito slip here with a little bit of a napkin. Did I? Did I even explain what what happened? Really, off the top of the show, I think I just mentioned that I cut myself on a bottle, but
4: from a taco, from a yeah, from the yeah. burrito place.
1: Yeah, I got tasty burrito, 85th and Broadway. It's ex- excellent. Really, I had three delicious tacos. I get my Yoritos, which I like to drink. You know, it's like Mexican fruit soda that you drink. Uh, but the bottle, the top of the bottle, had a chip in it, and I fucking didn't realize until the, like the last two j- sips I was gonna have of the soda, fucking slipped my my upper lip. I was bleeding. Mm. I got
4: a goddamn napkin here. That's also really bad luck that you you were almost home free. Right, you're yeah. almost you almost got away with drinking the whole thing without cutting your lip, and oh, then no.
1: you know what? You know what I learned? Stick to the polar
4: seltzer, which polar, I'm now drinking. Polar has never led you astray. No,
1: it hasn't. It would never, ever cut my lip like that. All
4: right. Uh, I still like Yoritos. And
1: I highly encourage people to go to that Tasty Burrito card. It's fucking delish. All right. Ready to get to the rest of the program here? Mm-hmm. On Monday, the Supreme Court's vacant ninth chair was filled by Trump-nominated 49-year-old conservative Neil Gorsuch, the 113th member of the American. Institution, here is video. We're not gonna get too crazy into it, but this is just video of Neil Gorsuch uh, being sworn in.
4: Are you ready to take the oath, Justice Booker? Please raise your right
2: hand and repeat after me. I, Neil M. Gorsuch, do solemnly swear. I, Neil M. Gorsuch, do solemnly swear. That I will
4: administer justice without respect to persons. I will administer justice i respect persons, and do equal right to the poor and to the rich, and do
6: equal right to the poor and the rich, and that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform. And that I will faithfully and
1: impartially
4: discharge and perform all the duties incumbent upon me, all the duties incumbent upon me. As Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. As Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Under the Constitution and laws of the United States. Under the Constitution and laws of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations.
3: So that man. Oh, he
1: started crying. So he started crying. Also, I heard that he's going to take the name Pius. Pius IV. Oh, no, wait. That's Pope's.
3: (laughs) Joey? So you're telling me that when we had the Citizens United case, mm-hmm. that all the Supreme Court justices who voted for that actually broke the oath, whether rich or poor. Well, no, because if you want
1: to cons- take it the other direction, uh-huh. it's not fair to the rich because they're rich and they don't get the same. Sp- they should be able to, to exercise their speech the way that they see fit. Oh. They just have more speech because they have more money. But that's, oh, okay. you know.
4: I mean, the oath is a very, you can spin yeah. it either way. It's ulti- ultimately, I think, Citizens United, in case like that, give more power to the rich because, okay, they have more speech. Well, of course. It, I was being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, but it should be equal representation, not, okay, you're born with more speech than others. I think that's the real problem.
1: Right. right. Um. All right. Anyway, I mean, we you know, we've got to put that out there, right? It's a new Supreme Court justice, so now the vacancy is filled. Uh, possibly... What we were talking about at the break, you know, potentially three more, right? In the next, you got to think, I, 10 years. I was like describing
4: to Chris how reading this last night just filled me with dread because...
1: Right, it's Kennedy, Ginsburg, and... The, uh, and Breyer are, all,
4: Breyer are all 80 or older, and two of those are liberal. One of them is the conservative that kind of is a swing vote and leans liberal. Right, Reagan appointed. Yeah, right. I mean, he he's swung... He's on, the swing yeah, vote. Yeah, he's the swing vote. Right. So in the event that we lose one of those... And we get another Gorsuch or another Scalia, or even if they go with a moderate conservative, which, which there's fi- no reason which to I do find now. unlikely yeah, they right. would with no with no nuclear option, right? Um, yeah, I just that, that fills me with dread because if we get a six three or seven two split on the court, I yeah. think it could do irreparable damage to this country.
3: I do have a little trivia for you. Oh, let's hear. Gorsuch Ooh. becomes the first former law clerk to serve alongside t- one of his <laughs> justices.
4: <laughs> we are good, Matt. You want to say what I was going to say? I believe we talked about this a while ago when he was nominated. Yeah. It's
3: okay.
1: I'm is just, is it? just saying it tribute. again. I already heard it. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Uh, good, good job, Joey. Like, <laughs> Thank you. you. He doesn't even listen to the show he's on. It doesn't...
4: No, he doesn't listen to you, Chris. No, He, I know, he, he listens true. to it. Just hears his himself. Yes. He doesn't know there's another person the Well, I'm show. talking. He's just
1: hearing... <laughs> bleep, 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 bleep,
5: bleep.
1: <laughs> um, okay. You ready to get on to this night? This is a facial this recognition is crazy, stuff. crazy fucked up trying? shit. Oh, wow. Game changer. All right. Um... Facial recognition. We've been trying to get into it for three weeks, and we are going to get into it right now. There is concern that the growing number of police body cameras, along with improvements to real-time face recognition, could lead to an unprecedented level of mass surveillance. And I have a few quotes in the email that I'm going to get to. Nine of the 38 body camera manufacturers currently uh, operating have facial recognition capabilities right now. Ooh. Or allow for the option later. All right, so it's still a small amount, but it's still nine out of the 38 allow for this. Okay, here's a couple of quotes. And then I assume you have something to say about it, Joey.
3: Oh, this is insane.
1: Okay. Jake uh, LaParuque, the Constitution Project fellow, he says The main concern is that we're already pretty far along in terms of having this real time technology, and we already have the cameras. These cameras are small, hard to notice, and all over the place. That's a pretty lethal combination for privacy unless we have reasonable rules on how they can be used together. Now, what he's talking about there, essentially, I mean, in addition to the argument of police should have body cameras, which I still think they should. However, it could be used in a really dangerous situation if they have real-time monitoring and all that stuff. This guy's referring to the Internet of Things. There's cameras and the ability to hook up cameras to a lot of different stuff that can be hacked and whatever. It can be used in a, a, a not, you know, a nefarious way. Harlan Yu, who is the co-author of a report on body camera policies for the think tank Upturn, for many of these systems, the inclusion of real-time face recognition is just a software update away. The inclusion of face recognition really changes the nature and purpose of body cameras, and it changes what communities expect when they call for and pay for cameras with taxpayer dollars. Right. I think there's a real fear in uh, communities of color where offices are already concentrated that these body worn cameras will become another tool for surveillance rather than a tool for accountability. Diana Moore, who's a government accountability office person, says the FBI doesn't test the FBI doesn't test for false positives. So it doesn't know how frequently a system misidentifies someone as a suspect. Innocent people could bear the burden of being falsely uh, accused, including bearing the burden of investigators showing up at their home and investigating them representative Elijah Cummings. Who's a Democrat from Maryland. If you're black, you're more likely to be affected by this technology and that technology is more likely to be wrong. That's a hell of a combination. Meanwhile, And I'll let you get into it, Joey, but I just Mm -hmm. want to get this stuff out. Meanwhile, the FBI's facial recognition database has a few issues. 80% of photos in the FBI's network are non-criminal entries, including nearly half of adult Americans' photographs. Oh, and the algorithm used to identify matches is wrong 15% of the time and is more likely to misidentify people of color. 15%? of 120 million adult Americans is 18 million people. So they can be wrong 18 million times, and there's really no recourse for that if they're misidentifying who's a criminal and who's not.
3: That's good. Yeah, you know what my issue is? Sure, Joey. If I happen to go to a gun rights rally or protest the president because, you know, I don't agree he should be bombing Syria. Yeah, or Afghanistan now. Or Afghanistan or anything, that the government can secretly scan my face and identify me? Well, and it seems like they are doing that. (laughs) Like that is happening, obviously, right? It's not good.
1: No, it's not. Of course not. And this is the you know, the minority report like scenario, whatever, where, where basically everything at all times is being monitored and they're going to try to stop crime before it happens and whatever. But, but if they're getting it wrong, if the facial recognition is wrong, now you've just created a situation where, you know, that creates a real chilling effect. Like you said, on protests, on whatever, cause you're like, I can't risk getting swept up in this. I don't want to be involved in that.
4: Well, I mean, to, and the re, the, I, ultimately, there is still a trial, but you shouldn't be prejudiced in that way, and just right. And well, right,
1: and I mean, but when you factor in the FISA court, whatever wireless, wireless warrant, ha, wireless and, wireless uh it's a secret court. You know, like that's where it starts to become crazy because there's nobody defending. The right to privacy in the FISA Court. It's just people making the argument to a judge, and he goes, eh, "Give me a little more," and he gives them a little more. They like, oh, go, "Okay, you can have the more."
4: And we're just building this database that, yeah, it's like okay, if this is actually, ironically,
1: in Moab, Utah, I believe, or no, it's Bluffdale, <laughs> Utah, I forget, but
4: anyway. But uh, we'll go with Moab. Moab, Utah. Yeah. But so, yeah, okay, it's, it's great. You don't fight these things because you don't fight against these things just because. Oh, it's like it, it can stop crime but at the same time if it gets into the wrong hands yeah then if it gets oh, into, sure. if it's being used by Joseph McCarthy when you but if you if being used in a benevolent way oh great okay that doesn't do any harm but the problem is it's too easy for something like this to be used in the wrong hands and cause real damage and that's why you can't let it exist in the first place of course well and
1: also it becomes hackable you know like we talked about it, the internet of things whatever everything pretty much has an internet connection and will definitely in the next 10 years that's the problem if this stuff becomes, it just becomes essentially a net that people could tap into and, and and identify people for not even political reasons or whatever it could just be for crime reasons or you know any, anything you could fuck with people this way so
3: back to the fbi yeah so back in 2010 they updated the fingerprinting databases with the new capabilities of the facial recognition okay so they can link the fingerprint to a face automatically right. i i guess in theory it would happen anyway because a record is a record so whatever but yeah, uh, i guess yeah i guess yeah but it turns out that the fbi did not inform the public that they had this ability yeah required they did wired for but law they by did, five but they, five years but
1: they did let us know about hillary the email investigation yes remember they did let us know that yes even though it was nothing you know it's just duplicate email but they let us know well, they did let
4: you know I mean, apparently like I have read that Comey wanted to tell us about Trump's connection, but the, the White House pulled them back and said, no, don't do that.
3: Well, whatever. I so mean. now, my question is this rec- facial recognition scares the shit out of me, because it somewhat becomes minority apart, yeah. but to the point where nobody has any free speech, because you're too afraid to say anything, because they could pull you up at a moment's notice. Well, like I said, yeah. That's and have everything. For, that's for sure. Where you work, what you do, and on top of that, they can even now look at your cell phone and see all the locations you've been. Right. Someone can. But that's not new to this. I mean, well, this is just a thing that can be used in addition to those things that have already been the case for years. I know. Right. But what happens if it falls into the wrong hands? It, it, well, yeah, but why, why it, is our almost,
1: government? Our government's the right hands? <laughs> no, that's that's I mean, the that's what
3: I've been talking about when
1: we talk about the deep state and the fucking intelligence some of this agencies. Shit is
3: we don't trust them either. We shouldn't trust that whole group either. I know, but a lot of this is like the point that you know. I'm sorry to bring it up, but the pat that they the the point that they were making in Batman, where he had all the technology and he was able to pinpoint where everybody is. Right. Yeah. should The government have have that ability, and you have startup companies that are just doing amazing things
1: like such as the Iraq like what
3: the facial recognition oh sure because it's all small Russian yeah
1: yeah well, startups right well it is a lot of Russian involved for sure well
4: in the of offense the, the, the technology is cool I don't want to stop I don't want to stop technological advancement anyway but I'm saying
1: wait let me stop you there see because that's the that's the case like that's always going to be the attitude where it's like Listen, yeah, there's some legitimate concerns, but it's cool. I mean, we shouldn't stop doing it. We're not going to stop doing it for I'm that the reason. The government
4: shouldn't. The, the government. Yeah, but, should, I don't want the government dealing with this. shit. Yeah, but that's always what it yeah, is. You know, it's the
1: same thing with the Large Hadron Collider and whatever. It's like, yeah, maybe we could blow up the planet, but you know what? We got to fucking do it. I mean, what are we gonna do? Well, right? that's not what? how the
4: Large Hadron Collider works. Thank you very much.
1: But you know what I'm saying? It's like all these like advanced scientific discoveries and whatever. Like we're never gonna stop
3: because there's a risk that it could kill all of us. We're like, well, let's just do it. But you know how everybody loves numbers. About eighty percent of no, photos in the FBI's network are non-criminal entries. It's.
1: I just said that. I said eighty percent of photos in the FBI database yes. are non-criminal. I and, just
4: said and that. I just I just said he
3: doesn't listen to you while the <laughs> podcast. Come on, <laughs>
4: god damn it!
3: <laughs> I just said that. So the, that that's not disconcerting to you?
1: No, it is. I mean, it is. Of course, it is. I'm. I'm just. I'm just more annoyed. And I'm shocked by the fact that I said that like eight minutes ago, and you didn't know. Um. Yeah, no, of course. That's why I'm bringing it up. I think it's, again, the rate of technology doubles every 18 months. I think that the public generally is not paying attention to the rapidity of these advancements. And I think that the people that are in charge of the technology or the people that have access to it as it develops... Are not looking at it from a macro level. They're looking at it from like the people only tend to look at it from the micro level of like, well, how can we use this to stop whatever or control whatever. They're not looking at the bigger picture of like, well, this could be abused in a horrific. You know what I mean? Like that. That's it's the ten thousand foot view that is not being taken into account.
4: And that's what I was saying. Where it's, I was looking at the micro level of saying, oh, the science is cool, sure,
1: which and, it is. You're right.
4: Yeah, and I I do want I always support scientific invad, advancement. Oh, I can't say advancement. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's when you scale out, that is the issue. And it's like, when you look at the macro, it, that is, and how do you balance those two?
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, I don't have Facebook, but as I understand it, Facebook can go in and go. Not home. anymore. What? Um, I was gonna say, I can recognize
3: faces and pictures and like tag them, right? Yes. Yes. But they took that option out. Okay. Though, yeah, but I'm, because okay. it got freaky because everyone was complaining, oh my God, they know who I am.
1: Yeah. Guess what, dummies? Yeah. Facebook's not the only place that has that. <laughs> Facebooks. Do you think Facebook is using it to the fullest extent of how it can be used? No, it's not. Look at Snapchat. People use Snapchat. You know, it has those like fun filters where you look like a dog. Mm-hmm. That's facial recognition. What do you think that is? And, and that's that's not, just on a very small scale.
4: It's fun because like, you're a cartoon. But that, that's actually really complex technology that goes into making you look like a dog. It's. Such, such such advanced technology being used in such a stupid way
1: oh absolutely but yeah it's fun it's fun though <laughs> but, but right but you know what i mean but like that yeah oh. when you start seeing shit like that show up where it's like really good you're like wow it's amazing oh. it it changed my face to look like joey
4: it, yeah it, it's fun but you wouldn't know this being married every woman has a picture on her tinder profile or on her profile of oh her has her with the dog filter oh i
1: follow some dumb horse on instagram don't <laughs> you worry uh, <laughs> i see it <laughs> Other promo codes and whatever. Here, drink my like tummy flattening tea, and then they look like a dalmatian. I get it. Uh, all right. Speaking of, no, never mind. I'm not going to do that as a transition. <laughs> Tommy Laren update. <laughs>
4: I took. I took nah. it out. I didn't
1: do. It. I didn't do it.
4: A hard pause. <laughs> yeah, I
1: didn't do. I nah. did not do that. Uh, I
4: think you drew, drew more attention to it. Actually, man. I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I did it.
1: Sweet Tommy has filed suit against her former employer, Glenn Beck. And his site, The Blaze, alleging wrongful termination. Ironically, wrongful termination is why he fired her. Abortion. You get it. It's
2: an abortion uh, 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 wow. Uh, you get
1: it. Uh, by the way, so I have a Tommy's tweet in her e- in email. She goes, lay down and play dead really isn't my style. Hashtag final thoughts. <laughs> She's a real animal, Tommy Lahren. By the way, I found out that she studied journalism at the University of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, which is fucking awesome mm-hmm. university of nevada las vegas i guess how it goes uh that's great she's well, not a real journalist. i mean she just went to las vegas las vegas is fine oh i'm going highly advise oh, are the, you gonna
3: discredit so, discredit their entire well, is she a
1: program? journal discredit tommy legitimate a university ju- is that what you're trying to do chris to- tommy laren's not a journalist she's a you know she's a personality which she's, she's, she's good at i'm gonna encourage my kids to go to the university of, well doesn't, nevada, las vegas? doesn't
4: she doesn't she say she's not a journalist in the article that you I, Does think she, she? I think she says, like, I'm not a journalist. I have, I have an opinion. <laughs> like, I, I,
1: yeah, well, right. Well, which is good. I
4: mean, she. I think she, I think she said that exact quote.
1: Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. So Tommy now suing Glenn Beck. We'll see where that goes. I guess. I mean, it seems like he's allowed to fire her, right? I mean, it's it's not a news organization. It's a private <laughs> business, and he doesn't like what she's putting out there. She well, he doesn't she have any September obligation. 27
3: pages saying that he doesn't have the right to fire her. Right, but I'm sa- but
1: I'm just saying. Generally, it's he. He does though, because it's his network. He doesn't like what she's saying on the network, and she doesn't have protected speech at the Blaze. She has protected speech as an American, but
4: that's and, completely and
1: different. It's a private business. They
4: probably have an opt out, cl- like an opt out yeah, for uh, back in the contract. But here's the quote from yeah, her. Would be
1: insane if he didn't? But yeah.
4: Here's her quote. I fully acknowledge that I'm not a journalist. I clearly have a point of view. I'm very passionate about my point of view. I am a commentator.
1: Yeah. Well, sure. She, she is not a journalist. Fair enough. She did study journalism, though, for a time Mm. in Las Vegas.
3: (laughs) At the roulette table.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love Las Vegas. I'm not knocking it. Good for her. She should go
3: there. You know what? I'm going to read a real quote, and this is from Tommy herself. I do not bullshit. I am genuine and authentic. Yeah, you go, I don't say things to go viral or to be controversial. But I say things that a lot of people wish they could say but are fearful of saying.
1: Alright. Yeah. Well Because she's, they get fired from their job. She's a real maverick. Uh you know, she definitely says things to be provocative and to be viral, of course. Um, but okay. Good for her. Again, more I learn about Tommy Lair, more I like her. <laughs> I'd love for her to come on this program. Tommy, can you hear me? If you do, please come on the show. We'd love to talk to you. Um, all right. One more thing. Then we're gonna do the Trump odds and ends. And I guess we'll have some time to do the yeah, we'll do the email quick and then we'll uh We'll wrap up the program. So this one, I'm just bringing up. It's more uh, like just a thing that the Trump administration and like the alt-right should be afraid of. According to a Pew forum analysis over the next two decades, the number of babies born to Muslims is expected to overtake the number of babies born to Christians, which would make Islam the world's largest religion by 2075.
4: That's why we're at war in the Middle East. Yeah, right? That's
1: probably, uh, I read an alarming statistic.
3: Uh, do you know what... One of my primary issues with that statistic or research or whatever it may be... What? And I have more stats. Good. Uh, they don't... Like, the reason being is a lot of the more... Like, there's a cost of living. So... Like in more developed countries, I don't believe I, I believe there's more Christians that are having a l- lower amount of children, right? Than the Muslims are. De- exactly,
1: that's exactly in, in, what it is, right?
4: In more advanced countries, you have less children because there's a higher survival rate.
1: Right. There's a there's a it's proportionate between the amount of education you get versus the amount of children you have because you just you tend to weigh the consequences of having more. You know, you do more math about like, well, that's going to cost this much. I don't want to do it. Like you. You just plan it differently. People that are less, you know, educated tend seem to have more children. That is proportionate, but I think that's also it's a tenet of the religion, though, as well. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, plus in the in like Middle Eastern Muslim countries, people have multiple wives and different things like that. Right? I mean, they have so they're having more kids. Just makes more sense. Plus, the Christians with the fucking. No sex before marriage, all that stuff. You have a couple out of wedlock. They're Christians, too, if you really want to keep up,
4: so, you dummies. So so this whole story is basically... So, so but right right now, Trump is saying uh, th- those beautiful, beautiful babies, we have to defend them you from now the he's getting In a couple years, how many beautiful, beautiful babies can the Moab bomb take out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: 2010 to 2015, 31% of the babies born in the world were Muslim. 33% were Christians. 2030 to 2035, they're estimating 225 Muslim babies as opposed to 224 Christian babies. 2055 to 2060, 232 Muslim to 226 Christian. That's a a win. 70% of babies will be born to religiously affiliated women, 2055 to 2060, which is, that's the alarming takeaway for me. Like, really? Seven out of ten are going to be born to, like, a goddamn religion? Can we not? Can we get away from this? No. That's the problem. 2015... There'll be seven, there's 7.3 billion people on earth. 31% are Christian, 24% are Muslim, 16% have no religion, 15% are Hindu, 7% are Buddhist. That's the breakdown right now. I'm just bring, I don't give a shit, but I'm just saying I'm bringing it up because it's like, I feel like this is going to be something. <laughs> so, you <laughs> know, in a few years, they're going to be like, well, we got to do something. There's going to be a drive to have more Christian babies, little babies that you can't afford. Don't worry about it.
4: It's called the South Joey. Yeah,
1: and we're trying to win a war, Joey.
4: And, and here's a solution: you have cross-shaped drones that just drop bombs full of holy water, set of baptizing the babies, the, all the those damn Muslim babies.
1: That is a great idea. Wow. Yeah, you, you just should write war- to Trump. He's gonna hire you. Yeah. To- yeah, or-
3: yeah, you should just wall- <laughs> throw water on babies That's and a make them Christians.
4: <laughs> A, what an idea. A Jewish man walks up and suggests, suggests baptizing all oh, yeah. the Muslims. That would <laughs> you be great. Care, yeah. you, the <laughs> Jews you, aren't
3: recruiting. They don't you, care. you do realize that there's an underlying context of a religious war going on.
1: Absolutely, of
4: course. I mean, Bannon wa- as, has expressly said he wants a religious
1: war.
3: Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's why I'm bringing this up.
4: I mean, it's just taking what we've been saying for years and putting it and saying it out loud. But there's
3: anyone a, who follows the main tenements of either <laughs> tenants of they're going to be into the religion too.
4: the tenement museum is down in the lower east side would too.
3: agree that wall is not the solution that's not the point that's
4: not true
1: i don't think so You think you can rally anybody to a war if you go it's us versus them
3: we gotta kill all the muslims otherwise jesus can't come back I mean, we were discussing today how no where does it say that in anyone's
1: well, that's not true that nowhere it doesn't say that. But the generally, yeah, Jesus was the Prince of Peace, whatever. But the, the, you can rally people to fucking kill people.
4: Joey, it's called the please. Crusades, Joe. Yeah, that's I
1: mean, there's just a million, of
3: course. And we we're, we're civilized now. We don't do crusades. We,
4: we, we're
1: When water goes away, when food goes away, when education goes away, we're not really civilized
4: anymore. And we were, it goes away very quickly. I mean, 40 minutes of this podcast today was about, oh, pe- the people love when there's a war. The media loves right. the, when there's a war. They like seeing bombs blow up. That. It's easy to get people to rally behind a war and patriotism and rah rah. Whether it's you're fighting for the Pope, whether you're fighting for your faith, whether you're fighting whatever you're fighting for, people are going to rally behind it. Of
1: course. And by the way, when the apocalypse comes, I'm going full murderer. I don't care. I, I'm I'm getting rid of it. I'm going to kill anybody.
4: What's your weapon of choice? I don't want to say. Okay, it's. it's- Proprietary, can you yeah. really tell me afterwards? Yeah, I well, yeah just... once the apocalypse, okay, ends,
1: I'll
3: let you know. Yeah, well,
4: no, okay. so I was saying I just want to like know off the po- off air later. Just oh, like, I'll tell you off the air. I'll you know.
3: tell you right now what my weapon would be. Well, mine, it's gonna be a handheld weapon. Obviously. No, good choice on that. Mine is the ray gun from Congo. No, that, that thing exist. that fucking thing just cuts everything I don't even know in you're the talk- way. What are you talking about? You, you don't remember Congo when they took the diamond and they make What's the thing Congo? and it just cut the movie with the monkeys? I think it was, <laughs> with Amy? I would guess it was gorillas, Tim but Curry.
1: Who, Tim Curry. Nope, you're just saying things. I okay, no that's idea. fine.
4: All right. You see my, my weapon of choice? Yeah. I'm going to have all my drones there and just convert them from uh, holy water to actual bombs. That's right. Drones is a good idea. Yeah. Um, I'm preparing for the apocalypse.
1: I probably have some kind of big
4: knife. I think. <laughs> I'm glad we got that. <laughs> that mystery came out. I'm just letting you know. You
1: guys let me know in the comments what you what your weapon of choice will be when the apocalypse <laughs> comes. Uh, never too early to start preparing. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Trump odds and ends... Uh. Oh, oh, boy. (laughs) Little Shawnee Spicer, the White House press baby, really screwed the pooch up. Oh, God, yes. Uh, This one, I mean, we've had a, you know, it's been a tough episode, but this is uh, this is great. (laughs) I'm very happy to uh, listen to this. This is again, once again, the White House press baby. Fully in context. This is him in context. Just just talking out of his ass trying to justify the Syrian uh, strike. And he made a uh, he made a mistake.
0: You look, we didn't use chemical weapons in World War Two. You know, you had a... uh
3: See, already, when you bring... Uh, he was right we no, didn't. Yeah, but don't bring up World War II. It has nothing to do with this. No, 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 The issue is, I don't know why anyone does it. When you bring up Hitler, you will automatically lose. The, well, just be- don't do it. Oh, just sure. don't well, because- mention his goddamn name. Let it go.
1: There was a talking point that the administration was trying to put out where they were saying warlords, they were saying dictators. They were <laughs> talking around it. So he just figured, ah, you ah, know what? I'll Hitler. throw
0: Hitler out there, <laughs> but okay. You know, someone as despicable as Hitler who didn't
1: (laughs) when you have to be (laughs) it's so funny like already he's crossed two really dumb lines where he's like (laughs) listen
0: hitler's terrible but but uh, (laughs) oh damn it sean didn't even sink to the to the to using chemical weapons what wait what?
1: wait hitler adolf hitler didn't sink to using chemical weapons
0: okay so you have to if you're russia Ask yourself, is this a country that you and a regime that you want to align yourself with? Uh, you Yes, it is. You have previously signed on to international agreements, rightfully acknowledging that the use of chemical weapons should be out of bounds by every country. To not stand up to not only sub, but your own word should be troubling. This is Russia put their name on the line. Um, so it's not a question of how long that alliance has lasted, but at what point do they recognize that they are now getting on the wrong side of history in a really bad way really quickly. And again, look at the countries that are... The, the, wait for I, it! I know, I just want to Wait
1: for it! Because one of my favorite things that could ever happen happens during this. I love it.
0: <laughs> Standing with them. Iran, Syria, North Korea. This is not, this is not a team you want to be on. I
2: need to clarify
1: something you said. <laughs> okay, Yes. So now there's a cut. For the record. Yeah, now there's a cut. Now another a journalist is like, here I'll, I'll go back but so now there's a cut so he said Don't that step on it, just maybe it. 10 minutes passes okay
0: and again look at the countries that are standing with them iran syria north korea this is not this is not a team you want to be on i need to
3: clarify something you said that seems to be traction right now uh,
0: quote <laughs> i need this right now
1: during the briefing the briefing's what 40 minutes he says it 10 minutes later she's like Hey, I uh, just wonder if you wanted to clarify that dumb fuck thing you said 10 minutes ago because it's already, you're already getting slaughtered on Twitter. ...didn't
0: even sink to the level of using chemical
3: weapons. What did you
0: mean by
1: that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it never happened. It was, a, what do you
3: mean to say? The Holocaust never happened.
1: There's also journalists in the front row smiling because they're like, oh, this is going to be great.
4: <laughs> they're, they're having a debate. They tr- had a lottery of who was going to get to ask the question. Oh, it's so great. True <laughs> straws.
1: There's nothing probably as a journalist like that, like, there's nothing more satisfying than being able to ask a question you know he can't answer. You know what I mean? Like be like, so. Um, what earlier, did you mean? Yeah, earlier you said Adolf Hitler didn't <laughs> use chemical weapons. Do you want to clarify that because people are already a little concerned about that?
0: Did sarin gas? Uh, there was no. He was not using the gas on his own people. The same. What? Wait. W- what? Wait, wait. 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 Do you
1: know that people actually dared be like? He's Spicer's right. The Jews weren't Hitler's people. It's like, what are you talking about? They lived in
4: Germany. That's the alt right there. Yeah, I know. Well, they're crazy. <laughs> but they, they say the Jews aren't people. Well, that's but, true. But he did.
1: Oh, well, that's a good distinction. Then, okay, and, good point. And, point and the Spicer. gypsies yeah. and
3: everybody else that he fucking yes. and, killed.
4: And also,
1: that's true. If the Jews aren't people, Spicer's right. And okay. also, <laughs> good he, call. He,
4: he's right. They they weren't using it the same way. Right. Assad lets the people roam free. Hitler crammed them onto a yeah, in all the showers. No, I know. Right. Well, that. I
3: but I think his is... point was. I think the point he was trying to make was he wasn't using it as a weapon of war. He was using it as a weapon of genocide.
1: No, his point, literally his point was... Hitler didn't use chemical weapons. He didn't drop... He's saying he didn't drop them on his people, but to Matt's point, right. He No, he just organized them really well and then gassed them in shame. Right? <laughs> it's
4: more efficient using of, using of
1: yeah, the gas. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't reckless. I mean, look, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> You only have so much gas you can yeah, use. Yeah, it's wait, what wait, a crazy... When <laughs> doing
4: outdoors, the wind affects it. and You
1: don't get efficient killing. What, what, what a dumb point to make. All
0: right, here, <laughs> here we go.
1: He, he's about to clarify it, and then I have another clue. He makes too. it even worse.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. Way that... A shot is doing. It. I mean, there was clearly. A shot. I,
1: hold on, I gotta go back. He fucks. He, God, this guy sucks at his job.
0: I, I think when you come to Sarin Gas, uh, there was no. He was not using the gas on his own people the same way <laughs> that. A shot is doing. It. I mean, Assad. there's was clearly. I, I I understand your point. Thank you. I, I thank you. I appreciate that. There was. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: also a nice moment. They're actually giving him an opportunity to clarify, and he's not being a dick about it. He's like, "Oh th- no, thank you. I appreciate you." But then he just says worse, dumb stuff. Like he didn't take the moment. It, it's that actually hurts my little heart watching him be like, "Thank you. No, I do appreciate." it. Like it was actually a nice moment, but he still couldn't. He couldn't recover. <laughs>
0: Stop digging your hole deeper. Yeah. Not in the in the he brought him into the to um to the holocaust center and i understand that but
1: he also said this is a part of the, the i think i've watched this clip a number of times he goes yeah yeah he brought them into the holocaust center what what's the fucks the is it auschwitz what is he talking about i think about? he meant
3: concentration the
1: guy. holocaust center was it like a mall? What, what is he referring to?
4: <laughs> do you know all the Jews had membership?
1: Yeah, what a cra- The Holocaust Center, that's not a thing. <laughs> I don't know what he means by that. Somebody should be like, sir, what do you mean by the Holocaust
4: Center? What-? We, have, we have 50% off deal for
0: the Holocaust Center.
4: Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to get- <laughs> That's how you lower mm, all the Jews in.
0: No. <laughs> right. I'm saying in the way that Bash- Assad used them, where he went into towns, dropped them down to innocent into the middle of towns, it was brought to So, the use of it, and I appreciate the clarification there. That was not the intent. Okay.
1: Uh... <laughs> Uh, that didn't make any sense. But okay, <laughs> poor bastard. Uh,
3: then I also so wait is, no no so here's wait, my question. Uh, so when no, he, he, he was in school and they explained to him what happened in World War II, he
1: knows. He knows. He got caught. Here's what happened. The okay. guy knows the fucking Holocaust happened. He knows uh-huh. that Hitler gassed people. He got caught up in trying to make a point about a talking point. Justifying the strike in Syria. That's all he okay. was trying to be like. Listen, Assad is terrible. A Assad is terrible. He gassed his people, and you know we were totally justified in doing it. He didn't think it, he. He just got caught up in doing it. He knows the fucking Holocaust happened. That, so he just secretly that, wanted to say Hitler. You say hit. You go Hitler. So Hitler's the worst. Assad might be worse, but then, but then, as you say it, you go. Well, Assad's not worse than Hitler, but you've already said it, so now you've <laughs> got to go down that. You know what I mean? He just got caught up, and that idiot Nancy Pelosi. She's like, he should resign. No, you want this guy to resign? He's terrible. Let him stay there. Why would he resign?
4: He makes he's terrible it look You better. want qualified people in Washington? No,
1: you don't. He, you don't need the administration mouthpiece to be qualified. That's perfect. You don't want him to be qualified. This is great. Uh, all right, now here he is. This is at the museum. He's to he's grand ancestor. Is here interviewing oh, him for some reason, and he now they get into it again. Even better. So, Sean, <laughs> let's start with yesterday. Noted Scientologist, great Van And also, what are people laughing about? It's like, ah, you silly goofball, you suck at your job. <laughs> <laughs> ah, uh, Sean Spicer, you made, a, you made some weird comments about the Holocaust. Do you want to take a look at the gas?
0: Um, the Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I on MSNBC, mm-hmm. Sean? Situation.
3: Question. Um, your
0: thoughts today? Uh, I made a mistake. Uh, there's no other way. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I got into a topic that I shouldn't have. And, Damn right. Um, and I screwed up. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you know. And I hope people understand that that we all make mistakes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love when people get to the like, I'm on Mercy Street. Yep. <laughs> people, people make mistakes. I am So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked up.
0: Um, I hope I show that uh, that I. I understand that i did that and that
1: what what about the claims about the inauguration being the biggest ever? kind you can apologize about that there that was a lie but, uh, i think my grant is good right that's great. pretty accurate
0: that i will i saw people's forgiveness because i i screwed up and um you know and i hope each person can understand that that uh part of uh existing is understanding that when you do something wrong if you own up to it uh, you do it. You you, you let people know, um, and I did. So, uh, for me, I mean, obviously, there's two takeaways. One is uh, it's a very holy week um, for both the Jewish people and the Christian people, and this is not bonus point to, to make a gaffe and yeah. a mistake uh, like this is inexcusable and reprehensible. Um, wow! And it's so, not, of all weeks, this was not. Uh, this compounds uh, that kind of mistake. Uh, but second of all, and. Um, so, so first of all, it's obviously, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it really is uh, painful to myself to know that I did something like that uh, because that obviously was not my intention.
4: Um, and that's
1: the thing. It wasn't his intention. It wasn't his intention. No. He knows the Holocaust happened. He just. Well, with his
4: administration, I'm not sure. You, I mean, they, uh, they have gotten a little Holocaust. Yeah,
0: but he's, a silly,
1: he's being a silly goose. He <laughs> knows what happened. He's re, he referred to the Holocaust Center. He said.
0: <laughs> and to know when you screw up that you possibly offended a lot of people um i just you know and so i, I would ask obviously for fo- folks forgiveness to understand that uh, i i should not have tried to make a comparison there's no comparing atrocities
3: um yeah you can't that's a good can't point. Compare
4: Shouldn't do it.
0: and it is a very solemn time for so many folks that that this is is part of that, and and so that that's obviously a very difficult thing, t- personally, to deal with because you know that that a lot of people who don't know you um, wonder why you would do that.
1: Yeah,
3: well, it's because you're dumb. <laughs> but yeah, all right, it's John Spicer, t- rough week. Another so one. new like Spicer's new rules never mention Hitler. That should be like the top of the list. Well, you night. don't compare. Listen
1: again, you don't go. We, we already talked. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. just there's no reason to do that because he's trying to justify one thing. By comparing it to something that is incomparable, like what Hitler did, was not to be repeated. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen again. God willing, it's not going to happen again. Nope. Like, no good. You you don't compare to that because this isn't that as bad. He's trying to say, like, listen, we had to act because this thing was so terrible. Mm-hmm. Just say that. You don't have to say so terrible it might even be worse than the hawk oh i can't say that what,
5: uh, yeah it's gonna be a problem whenever you bring up like Hit- I, like i was
1: gonna say about following dumb whores or whatever on instagram i'm not <laughs> gonna say tommy Laren is one i'm just not
4: whenever you bring She's up not. hitler you're gonna sound horribly hyperbolic that's just yeah it, you, it's like oh it's it's the worst thing ever no it's not right I mean, although it,
1: it bill burr's new special is so so great he does a whole bit about hitler versus stalin and it's like stalin got robbed <laughs> Stalin killed so many oh, more Jesus people. Christ. No, it's fucking hilarious. It's really funny. It's a really great
5: movie. I suppose
4: it got a little weird at times. I, I
1: liked it, man. There's only so many premises you're going to fucking cover. Eventually. You know what I mean? Like comedy is about finding the new thing and trying to make it funny. And then I think Bill Burr did a great job at that. It's not his most accessible. Uh, he spent a lot special. of time
4: talking about genocide.
1: <laughs> yeah, He's but it's, a- he does it in a fun, interesting way. It's really interesting. <laughs> no, it is. It's worth listening to. It's cool. Okay. Um. Okay. Now we're going to play one more clip. And this one, I swear to God, fucking really, really bothers me. This one's really irritating. And I apologize ahead of time if I use any derogatory (laughs) language towards Maria Bartiromo. It might just come out. I'm going to try not to. But this is really fucking infuriating, this one. And then we'll read the email and we'll get out of here. So good? All right. This is um, now trigger-happy President of the United States Donald Trump uh, talking to Maria Bartiromo the other day. it is Maria Bartiromo, right? Yeah. Yeah, Morning's Maria. Okay. Maria Bartiromo. I, I don't know what they're, you know, I guess they're talking about China, whatever. This conversation is...
6: <sighs> when you were with the president of China, you're launching these military strikes. Uh, was that planned? How did that come about that it's happening right then? Because right there, you're saying, a reminder, here's who the superpower in the world is. You have. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: It's not even the part that really irritates me, but the tone of how she's going about this interview. Like <laughs> you're sitting there with Xi Jinping, and you are dropping while you're having dinner. I mean, it's so silly. Like, what happened? It's like, is this entertainment tonight? Is what? What is going on here?
6: No idea how many people want to hear the answer to this. I have had I have watched speculation for three days now on what that was like. When did you when tell this? Us? But I'll tell you. Before- oh my God. God! what did you tell him?
1: She like, what did you tell him? Like they're fucking at a like a, a a coffee clutch. They're, they're just bullshitting. He dropped bombs. He used 60 missiles to attack another country without mm-hmm. permission, really. Uh, and she's like, what did you tell him? He- like this is like a fucking Entertainment Tonight.
4: This stupid asshole Maria Bartiromo. Human beings lost their lives, you dumbass.
1: Well, uh, yes, right? But it's like, have some boundary to your asinine fucking attitude let things. Let's continue the clip. What a moron. Yeah,
6: but I will tell you. Oh, wait. I got to go back. I so got to go back. So
1: long oh, there was so much fun. We're just talking. Look, meanwhile, Trump. Oh, he's in his glory. See, this is the problem. You watch an interview like this. This kind of flies under the radar because it's like a puff piece, whatever. Look how happy Trump is. He's getting all the attention. He, I did the Big boy thing. I dropped a bomb. Yeah, big boy. And now he's going to do another one and mm-hmm. another one and another one. That's the problem. Because the way that they fawn over this shit. When this woman asked this next question, it makes me want
6: to watch speculation for three days now on what that was like. When did you tell us? But I'll tell Before you. Before dessert? Or... But I will tell you. Only because <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> Before dessert? When did you, when did you let uh, the Chinese leader know that you um, executed the most you know serious thing you could do as president? or dessert? What an asshole. I hope all her teeth fall out.
6: You've treated me so good for so long, <laughs> I have to yeah. tell you, right? I was sitting at the table. We had finished dinner. We're now having dessert. And we had the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake that you've ever seen. And... What? President she was enjoying it.
1: And I was not eating it with chopsticks. I was surprised. I was taken aback by it. Do you know they used forks, Maria?
6: I didn't know that. And I was given the message from the generals, that the Don't ships are one. locked and loaded. What do you do?
1: And I mean, I immediately got erect. I was like, Melania, I'm hard. It's the first time in
6: years. And I was excited. And we made a determination to do it. So the missiles were on the way. And I said, Mr. President, let me explain something to you. This is during dessert. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> wild,
1: man. At my resort. We're at my resort. mar Alaga. Could you imagine, like, people could say whatever they want about Obama. Could you imagine an interview like this with Obama where he's just, like, giddily, like, just but the context, shocked by the fact that he was able to do
3: this over dessert? This asshole doesn't know how things work. Yeah, but the context is, is he's sending missiles because of the beautiful baby right? dead babies. Right. Well, that's the context. And now he's having chocolate cake talking about yes. the missiles yeah which he has to say now is
6: we've just fired 59 missiles all of which hit by the way um, not
3: true anyway
1: that's false by the way while he's talking split screen the show and the missiles launch because again beautiful yeah for TV. we see missiles launch it's yeah. not true that all of them hit that's not true
4: well, hit believable something. from
1: well, yeah, <laughs> cool, yeah. There's no missiles <laughs> still
4: flying around. No, that's true. Actually,
1: three are in orbit. Uh, yeah, no, but you're, but right, but, but so not all of them hit their target. That's not true.
6: You know, hundreds of miles away, all of which hit. Amazing. Unmanned. Brilliant. It's so incredible. It's brilliant. It's genius. Oh,
1: We're all just going to masturbate later to the thought of it. You know, but this is the problem. This is the yeah fucking... missiles
3: and chocolate cake.
1: Yep.
6: The, our technology, our equipment is better than anybody by a factor of 5 i mean
1: yeah because we pay more for it
6: <laughs> we have in terms of technology nobody can even come close to competing now we're going to start getting it because you know the military has been cut back and depleted so badly Not by way, the past administration okay. and okay. by the war in iraq which was another disaster so what happens is i said we've just launched 59 missiles heading to iraq well you headed to syria Yes, heading toward Syria.
1: He he doesn't even know. So He knows about the cake, though. He knows about the beautiful beautiful piece of chocolate cake. It was concocted by a French baker named blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, I, he thinks he attacked
3: Iraq. <laughs> Mr. Trump, I have a question for you. Yeah, please, Joey. If you're totally against Iraq... You're starting to become one of my favorites. Thank you. If you were totally real against star. Iraq... Real star. Joey, you're a real... Start just like Rance Priebus. And getting involved? Where is Rance Priebus? Why would you get involved in Syria? Isn't that like... Excuse me? Sorry. Confused? I was talking through. Say it again. All right. So you think Iraq's a big mistake. Middle East, big mistake. Quack my mind. Stay away from it. Don't get involved. Disaster. You tweeted it in 2013. Do not do this. Yeah. But you did it anyway.
5: I did
1: what?
3: 59 missiles.
1: Yeah. They were beautiful. I did it over cake.
3: Chocolate cake. What's your point? You don't see that you... you Doing like 360s? They like don't you're do, just spinning they around?
1: They don't do 360s. They launch straight. They don't spin. They go one from beautiful carrier, 150 miles, boom, perfect, hit Syria, all 59 landed. They don't spin. Is that your question? Thank you. The cake was delicious.
6: And I want you to know that because I didn't want him to go home. We're almost finished. It was a full day in Palm Beach. We're almost finished and I, I, what does he do finishes dessert and go home and then they say you know the guy you just had dinner with just attacked how does he me. react
1: oh my god the way this asshole is just glowingly smile how did he react like they're talking about t- t- explaining to somebody that you got engaged that's what they're talking about Th- that's how she's saying like oh my god what did he say are you fucking brain damaged maria bordero what happened to you are you bra- are you brain
6: dead so he paused for 10 seconds. With looked me in the eye.
1: Very similar to when W looked like a deer in headlights when they told him about 9-11. Sat there seven seconds, <laughs> I believe. Seven, maybe nine, maybe eight, 10, 14, 13. I don't know. Xi Jinping, President of China. He sat there maybe 10 seconds.
6: And then he asked the interpreter to please say it again.
1: Because I, he couldn't believe the stupidity. He was shocked by it.
6: didn't think that was a good sign. And he said to me anybody that uses gases you could almost say or anything else but anybody... what? I don't
4: know what he means but I it. actually don't So know what he we means should it. be a pacifist? We should be war is bad?
1: No, he's saying anybody Wait, that he uses ge-
3: gases or anything else. Well, anything else to kill people? Yeah, it, I don't know it, what he's is saying. Is he saying anyone who commits genocide automatically No, I don't know what the fuck I literally I don't know what the fuck he's saying there. I have no idea.
6: Anybody that was so brutal and uses gases to do that to young children and babies, it's okay.
5: I don't
1: think. I got you know. He said it in perfect English, though. I don't think that Xi Jinping said that. <laughs> I don't think he said it that way. I don't think he said it at all, honestly. But okay. but
4: won't somebody think about the children?
1: I know. I do. Do you really? Yeah. Meanwhile, China, the country of China, that had a one.
3: Child policy, right? That goes all the women children yeah. because the, their he was interior. like we must protect the baby. I don't think so.
6: <laughs> Anybody that was so brutal and uses gases to do that to young children and babies, it's okay. He agreed. He was okay with it. Uh,
1: Maria Bartiromo is on the highest order of my shit list that you could possibly be on. (laughs) I could not be more done with Maria Bartiromo. Who does she work for now? I'm going to be on Maria Bartiromo like fucking white on rice.
3: Who does she work for now?
1: She works for Fox
3: Business News, I guess. That's Fox Business News. Yeah. So Fox Business News is interviewing Trump about missiles.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it was just a sit down interview interview the pro. What are you going to do? Not ask him? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, if he was being interviewed on ESPN, they probably wouldn't ask him, but it's Fox, you know, although I would, if I was on ESPN, I'd be like, who are you, who you picking to win the Super Bowl, And what the fuck are you doing in Syria? What's the problem? <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah, so she's done. She's dead to me <laughs> in so many ways. And okay. Uh, now do we want to read this email quick? We got it from, uh, oh, an anonymous. I know, I know the person's name, but he wanted to be left anonymous.
3: I think you're angry enough, but if you want to go for it. Well,
1: I think we should do it because whatever, you know. We, okay, we'll he wrote in, so thank he you for in. writing in. Um, yeah. So, all right. We'll read the email in a second. Thank you, everybody, for listening. MandatorySampson at gmail.com if you'd like to write into the program. We'll respond to it. You can also go on iTunes. Um, it'd be awesome if you rate, subscribe. We love that. Um, leave a nice comment. That'd be very appreciated. You can go to SoundCloud.com slash you can follow us on there, and you can also leave a comment on the track of the episode, and we will respond to those and have a little conversation during the week. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Mansamp, M A N S A M P. Joey's at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. Matt is at Matt D Weiss on Twitter. Not very active, but you can maybe say hi to him if you'd like to.
4: Yeah, draw me out of my draw me out of my uh, hiding hole on Twitter. There you go.
1: Um, all right. And now here's an email from an anonymous Samsonite, Mr. 888. He's referring to me. Now, I produce the J Train podcast also on this network. Uh, And there's a rating system, it's the area code method, face, body, personality. And I fancy myself an 888. And now that I said it kind of jokingly, but this is now caught on. So people refer to me as the 888, Mr. 888. So there you go. I would never refer to you as that. I wouldn't watch to. Mr. 888. Being in the bubble that is college Greek life, I don't have much of an opportunity to discuss real, quote, real-world issues. So your podcast is a great outlet for me. Thanks. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for listening. I start most mornings by listening to the New York Times, the daily podcast. It's a quick 20-minute podcast that gives you the headlines for the day. On March 30th, they interviewed Mark Gray, who spent 38 years working in a Kentucky coal mine. Here's the link to the interview. Uh, Again, it's the March 30th. Thursday episode of that podcast if you guys want to listen to it. And he provided a link. I heard this interview and immediately wrote some thoughts down, which I attached in a Word doc, uh, which I might as well read some of it. I can always skip it. All right. So he attached a Word document that he wrote down some thoughts. So why don't we just read that so that way we get the context, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, I just had a thought pop into my head. It's still raw. I'm wrestling with it even as I type it out. So I apologize if it comes across as an incoherent ramble. It doesn't at all. Uh, I'll do my best to describe it. Ever since the election, the, quote, white working class has been endlessly analyzed. They have been described as people who don't want a handout, but rather just want the government to make sure their way of life is protected. I just listened to the New York Times podcast while drinking my coffee this morning. They interviewed a coal miner from Kentucky who was in his 60s. He described his life as one that revolved around coal mining. My daddy worked the mine, his daddy worked the mine, that type of character. He could hardly get an idea out without wheezing between words. He said he had stage three black lung, which... By the way, Jesus I don't think Christ. Yeah, but I don't think that's a uh like a legit condition, but
4: <laughs> Wait, you don't think black lung is a condition? Third degree black lung, stage I mean, 3 black lung is that a real he's, thing? Probably yeah. means he's, he's not doing terminal. Well.
1: Yeah. I get it. Uh, four is terminal,
4: but. Oh, well, sorry. It's not doing so hot.
1: When pressed about how coal is dangerous, he had no intelligent response. He simply said he enjoyed working in the coal mine or quote, getting grit on his paycheck. He spoke as if he was entitled to his lifestyle. He probably said he voted for Donald Trump because he thought he would bring coal jobs back. Basically, he thought he would be allowed to continue with his way of life as a net taker rather than a net contributor to society. Now, here's the thing. Is he really a taker if he's trying to do a job? I understand that it's not the job. I don't think people should be doing coal job coal mine jobs anymore. I don't think coal should be an industry that we're funding or paying particular uh attention to but i do think these are people that need to be given the opportunity to and i understand they don't want to well here are your options do this new job or have no job those are the options that's that's how we have to present it Coal is being phased out give your kids an opportunity this needs to be sold as give your children and your grant the same way you do the same job future that you're than, yeah, you future doing. yeah give your kids an opportunity to do something that isn't going to give them stage three black lung
4: which I just realized we should probably call Greylong if it's not stage four yet.
1: Oh, you know what, Matt? You know what? You're being very insensitive. Uh, Okay. The New York Times reporter was moved by this simple man describing his way of life and how he just wanted to preserve it. The miner thought he should be entitled to continue living his life of comfort and convenience at the expense of millions of other people. I don't think this coal miner is living a convenient or comfortable life, but I understand your point. The expense of other people being where they're going to subsidize his insurance and his Mm -hmm. health and his livelihood, essentially, if these jobs go away. The end of the interview portrayed him as a hardworking, noble person rather than someone who's literally poisoning others due to his unwillingness to change. Yes and no, right? I mean, he's working in an industry that is certainly, you know, bad for the environment and all that stuff. I don't necessarily expect the coal miner to be the one that recognizes that and quits and does, like, the noble thing. No, he's just know.
3: putting food on the table for his family. Yeah, and, 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 and there's that. fear involved. That's the other aspect of it, which we talk about. Mm-hmm. It's I understand it's not going to be easy,
1: And it's going to be scary, but it is a reality. It's something that we have to do instead of being, we're going to bring all the coal jazz. No, you're not. You know you're not. That's just simply not true. Pause. Let's go back eight years. When Barack Obama was elected, you saw many who were afraid that, quote, those people who lived in the inner cities would have their way of life protected. Because Barack was in office, quote, his people will be allowed to continue their lifestyle as net takers who simply lived off of welfare checks. Someone had to pay for this lifestyle, of course, and that was the hardworking taxpayer. The tone was that these lazy people could change their ways if they were pressured into doing so, but they wouldn't have to now that their president was there to coddle and enable them. Right. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment of how people kind of demonize, you know, inner cities and whatever. And black people. Cause it's like, well, Obama's black and look what he's going to do for the blacks. You know what I mean? Like that that type of attitude. Mm-hmm. These quote, welfare queens were seen as lazy, entitled, and truly evil people. They wanted to rob the hardworking man via higher taxes in order to fund his welfare lifestyle. These predominantly black and brown people were universally condemned as lazy, ignorant, and unwilling to change. Yeah, I mean I think <laughs> I think that's true. Chicago is a disaster, blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of that mm. shit where you're demonizing, you know, people who are in a cycle of poverty or or whatever and violence that is incredibly difficult to get out of without any kind of opportunity or or, or help. Uh, They were quickly written off. They weren't analyzed further. A few people wanted to dig deeper and see them as complex human beings entangled in a dynamic social system. They were simply one big evil mass coming to suck up all the taxpayer money. Now that I've painted the background, hopefully I can articulate the point I'm trying to make. The white working class guy and the black brown welfare queen are the same people. Yes and no. We can get to it in a minute. I can't stress this enough. White coal miner guy is the same as welfare guy who refuses to work. Here's the thing. Coal miner guy is willing to work, but he's refusing to work in anything but what he already knows, which I understand for a variety of reasons, but that's not acceptable. Welfare guy, I feel like, would be willing to work if the opportunity was there, if education was there, if there was a lot of things in place that gave him the opportunity to actually go do that, but in a lot of cases... That opportunity is not there. Different circumstances, but I guess I understand the point that they sort of are in the same situation that opportunity is not there for either one. Okay. Think about it. Both refuse to change their way of life. See, I think the coal miner probably is more reluctant to change their way of life than the like inner city person. I think if there was more, I'm not. The coal miner guy, you could go, hey, here's five other jobs you could do. Well, my grandpappy did that. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like there's going to be way more reluctance. Whereas you go into an inner city and you go, hey, you could do X, Y, Z. These are the opportunities. I think people are going to be way more likely to jump at that.
4: Well, and I think also because in, in, in inner city, a large proportion of those people have a criminal record because of mm. inherent racism in the system. And that, well, or if they, if they go to jobs. drug
1: dealing or they go to you know different means, because that's the only opportunity you have, or an opportunity well, that isn't going to you know take ninety hours a week to, to well, make a living.
4: Well, if you criminalize being black just to throw them in jail as a, a new form of slavery, sure, that puts them in an inherent disadvantage where they can't get the job, right. Because they have a criminal record and it just that sure. makes them go into crime. And
3: I have a question. Sure, we're talking about people being takers because everything's being subsidized. Should we go on the idea that... Wait, what did you say? I'm sorry. <clears throat> it helps if you actually listen. I was reading ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So w- we're talking about people that are net takers. They're just taking. Okay. So should we subsidize, like the welfare queens and the white coal miners and all that, should we subsidize people based on what their job function is in society? Because then again, you're equating money... To an individual's worth, which is which should be inherently wrong.
1: Well, kind of. I mean, here's the thing. At a certain point. Whether people want to admit it or not, there's a big conservative versus, you know, liberal kind of argument. At a certain point, there's a percentage of people that are just not going to be contributors like no matter what you do for them they're not going to be able to contribute for whatever reason lack of motivation whatever they don't have uh, the aptitude for it they don't have the goal whatever it is disability disability yeah but i I, that's not even who i'm including in i mean disability is a different story but there's people that are just not going to be a problem i mean uh, that are just going to be a problem they're not going to be contributors those people Mm -hmm. you're going to have to subsidize i think on some level anyway i don't Mm -hmm. think you're ever going to get to a point where everybody's contributing to society in some kind of meaningful... I just don't think that that's going to be the
4: well, case. Well, if everyone could, then we wouldn't need a system. We wouldn't need the right. safety
5: net.
1: Now, you talk about these... Now, now go up a level, right? It's mm-hmm. people that can do a job. They can work. They want to work. They want to contribute. But for a variety of reasons, education, opportunity, like Matt said, potentially some kind of incarceration on their record or whatever mm-hmm. that's going to prevent them, um, stubbornness, fear, whatever it is, there's a percentage of people that need to be helped they need to be given some kind of subsidy for a while at least maybe the opportunity to go to college for free learn a trade potentially be helped with housing you know transition into a lifestyle where then they are fully supporting themselves i think there's going to that's going to happen but that transition is going to happen forever we have to accept the fact that there are going to be certain there's going to be a percentage of people that are cycling in and out of that group Forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people might be able to get out of it, but there's always going to be more people mm-hmm. coming into it. Then you go to the next layer, which is outside of subsidizing those people, welfare, whatever. We got to put pressure on corporations, Walmart to pay their workers. The amount of money if they work 40 hours a week, they should be able to, to afford food and housing. Right. Yes. Period. And if they're not, then that's something we're going to have to subsidize. People should have a base level of security in this country, in my opinion. Um, so, one, that's putting pressure on those corporations to do that. Two, it's going into those communities and making sure that the school systems are working the same way they would be working in a white community or like a, an affluent community. We yes. that That's something that needs to be taken care of. And again, once then once you do that, then I think you're encouraging people to stay in those communities, build them up, and create a community there as opposed to it just being a doggy dog kind of environment you know what i mean so there's a lot at play there and i you know but i I, but i think the idea that we're ever going to get away from the uh, that there's going to be no welfare or subsidy i think that's silly especially as long as you know people are not being paid what it costs to actually live, live you know and that and that's a that's a corporate welfare as opposed to a People welfare mm-hmm. that, that people always complain about. If Walmart, if McDonald's, instead of making a billion dollars, make five hundred million dollars. That's how you do it. But we're not at that situation yet. Plus, you talk about health care. That's another factor there yeah, where we don't have health care provided to everybody. Okay, I mean, it's going to. F- so somebody's going to need a handout once in a while, no matter what. Now, back to the email. He says, "The welfare person is taken from society in a purely financial sense." They are living off of another person's tax dollar. The white coal miner guy is much more sinister. He's literally posi- poisoning the planet and contributing to changes that will lead to pain and suffering. Pain and suffering, by the way, also comes with plenty of financial costs. Right? Again, I don't know how fair it is necessarily to blame the guy that grew up in West Virginia and his whole family's been doing coal mining for forty years. And is he and it's really? It's just the way it's it, been. You know it's, what I mean? You know, even even if he acknowledges middle. climate change or whatever. What, what is he really going to do about it, honestly? Other than, you know, somebody's got to provide him the opportunity. And then if he says no to that, then, okay, then it's a different then argument. Then you have a
3: different argument. You. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, the coal miner now he puts in quotes he's talking to himself he goes but blank the coal miner guy he's used his name obviously but i'm not gonna say it. but blank the coal miner guy works hard for his paycheck he's the backbone of this nation yeah not really he's just a product of his environment he's put zero thought into how he should live his life
3: and he just did what everyone else around him did well, he, he might have not had that any opportunity yeah and a that, lot right? of people do that
1: you know what i mean it's just, that's it's very common for people to it's almost
3: victim blaming
1: well, yeah, but it's it, people are a product of their environment. You know what I mean? It's nature versus. I think sir I think nature plays a uh, uh a factor for sure, but nurture's a factor as well. It's very difficult. You start acting like the people around. We talk about it with yeah. the uh, the burkas and whatever. You know what I mean? W- uh, religion. You're you're born here, so you maybe you're Christian. You're born in Afghanistan. You're probably so you Muslim. Muslim. You know what I mean? It's th- that's what it is. So I think it's hard to blame specifically. A lot of people end up doing what you know the trajectory of their life projects them to do you know um it's a lot like when a person from inner city continues the cycle of poverty and welfare if it's all they've ever known yeah but again i think opportunity needs to be placed in both categories but i feel like the coal miner is going to be less likely to jump ship on that because of the reasons that you're talking about it is this revered thing politicians pay lip service to the idea of hard-working, mm-hmm. real American, whereas people who are on welfare in the inner city, they go, it's terrible, we got to help them, but there's still an element of, like, get off your ass and do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, all right. The problem is how these two groups of people are covered. The welfare group hasn't been given a voice. They weren't endlessly analyzed, nor seen as complex group of individuals. I think that's fair. The group of mostly white coal miners have been lifted up, given a platform, and listened to. Kind of, but I don't think their needs are being addressed by Trump or anything. It's talked to. The biggest need of the coal miners right now, people in coal country, is their addiction to oxycontin. That's really what actually needs to be taken care of in the heroin epidemic. That's who it's affecting.
4: Well, and give more them, than anybody. Give them mm. jobs and a purpose, and that probably helps out. Oh, one hundred percent. When you're just sitting around with no job and nothing to do with your life and living off the system, it's right? Not, it feels hopeless. It's, yeah, yeah. There's, it's not helping anyone.
1: Well, they did studies where they have rats. Okay, they put rats in a, you know, whatever, a, a, a man. case. No, you know, a case, whatever. Mm. They put one in that doesn't have, or a bunch of them, that doesn't have anything to stimulate their mutt. It just has, like, you know, basic shit, food that they need, and water um, that has cocaine in it. It's laced with cocaine. All right? The rats that are in that ca- cage are way more likely to continue to drink the water that has the cocaine. They have water that doesn't have cocaine in it, water that does. Yeah, they're going to go they're with, gonna the drink with the one with the, the co- cocaine. Co-ca- okay. However, they put rats in another one that's, like, really fun, has a bunch of stimulus, has, like, wheels to run on, it has different things they can do, different types of food, cocaine bottle, regular water. The rats in the stimulating cage are way less likely to do the cocaine water as opposed to the other water because they don't feel hopeless. They, They feel like, oh, we have stuff to stimulate us, we don't need the fucking cocaine, the drugs, whatever, and that's for real something that you're seeing in places like West Virginia and whatever, where there's a huge epidemic. Plus, I mean, it's insidious the way that the goddamn drug companies have gotten involved there and whatever, Mm -hmm. but okay. Uh, All I'm saying is these are the same people. Yet one group is portrayed as noble. The other is painted as greedy, selfish, and lazy. I'll let you guys guess which one is which. And then in the email, he says, it's unfortunate that this bias goes uh, so deep in our society that even the New York Times has to succumb to it. Uh, I apologize. If this comes across as an incoherent rant. Not at all. Even if this doesn't make it the podcast, I really appreciate you responding with some thoughts. Here are your thoughts, sir. And I appreciate your email. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think again, I think they're, you know, it's comparing apples and oranges, yeah. but they are in a similar situation and you're definitely right. I mean, one is portrayed as an American here, you know, the, the steel worker when they're building the pipeline, we need to get American jobs for the, yeah, okay what happened? What happened to in the inner cities? Did they need jobs as well? Yeah. But they also need, a, both have different issues that need to be resolved before the next step of jobs, get people off welfare, blah, blah, blah. You know, things need to be taken care of differently in either place, but I think they're in similar situations in terms of despair, right? Well, it's
3: also how you paint the picture too. Oh,
1: of course. Well, that's what he's saying. That's his point, yeah. right? Um. All right. Two hour plus episode. We did it. We did it.
4: Uh, the people have been asking for it. We yeah, gave it Yeah, you
1: got it. Hurt lip and all. I bled all over the microphone. I ruined it. <laughs> no, it's fine. My lip actually feels better. Can't. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. I can't believe I slit my lip on a goddamn.
4: But soda bottle. But he's developed a taste for blood now. <laughs> <That's
1: right>. Bloodlust. <laughs> I have it. Unquenchable. Uh, an insatiable
3: bloodlust.
1: Uh, all right. We love you guys. We really appreciate you listening to the podcast. We're going to continue to do the podcast because there's too much shit to talk about and you guys keep listening. So that's that's what's going to keep happening. We will be back uh, next Friday with a brand new episode of the mandatory Samson podcast. We hope you'll join us. We will talk to you then.
6: This has been a Stand Up Labs production. Powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And find all of our shows at standuplabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.
5: Yeah.